Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. You're about to embark on yet another great adventure with the Gary and Shannon Show. A reminder, we want you to make sure that you look at the iHeart app and hit the follow button on the Gary and Shannon Show podcast so that you can get updates on what's going on with our podcast. Don't forget to share it as well. Get it? It's adventure music. Also, share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you have that opportunity, and tell a friend about what you're listening to when you listen to The Gary and Shannon Show. It started as a scritch. Then everyone got in a fur pile, and pretty soon we were all yiffing. Gary Hoffman. Who is that guy? I love his suit. Shannon Farron. She's just a driven young woman. I don't know where she gets it. Do you guys know what this is? Gary and Shannon. Places, please. The dance is about to begin. Today, House Speaker Paul Ryan saying he is not with that group of Republicans that want to impeach Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. Of course, the guy who's overseeing the special counsel's uh, Trump-Russia investigation. Also, heartbreaker in uh, Arizona last night. Guy was able to get a gun away from two Arizona state troopers and and shoot him, one dying. This happened along uh, I-10 in a suburb of Phoenix. Good news is it looks like we have uh, made it through our heat wave. There were some records set yesterday. Woodland Hills, 109. Palm Springs, 119. Uh, Thermal at 122. Uh, We should see temperatures dip just a bit today as we sort of see this this uh, high-pressure system break up a tiny bit, start to move off to the east. We want to get right to banning right now where there are people that are trying to find out information about their homes. Information like, does my home still stand, thanks to that fire that just exploded there uh, in Idlewild in the area. Corbin Carson is there and joins us live. Corbin, what's the latest? Well, the latest numbers remain 5% contained, 4,700 acres burned, mandatory evacuations, thousands of, uh, of these people at nearby high schools that banning, like you mentioned, and surrounding hotels, but just still the five homes that were along uh, Deer Lane was the hardest hit, but the five homes that have been destroyed. The U.S. Forest Service tells me things looked better overnight, but we're nowhere near out of the woods yet. The big concern is as the temperature rises, the humidity drops this afternoon, which will kick up the wind. A 16-mile-an-hour gust is expected again around this afternoon. So I'm being told there's a big transition period from the forest to the incident management teams. Plus, as you might expect, there are many fire crews, many of whom are sprawled out everywhere this morning, trying to get an hour or so of sleep, just beat after last night's battles and needing to get back to it today. So as as new crews and equipment get in, and I'm told as air quality lifts, this sort of inversion layer will allow helicopters and, and fixed-wing aircraft to get a better look at the containment areas and the acreage. But it's not going to be until this afternoon or maybe even this evening before an update can be made in those in those areas. Uh, has it been difficult to get in and out of the areas? I know that there were evacuations and there were a couple of highways that had been closed. Yeah, it was. I mean, earlier when I got out there yesterday, um, it, it was it was a nightmare even getting close because they, they have uh, both ways in and out locked down. And then as I made my way up the mountain, I got to describe this scene was just fire on both sides. You're looking at boulders in the road. I mean, it is just 
chaotic trying to get up to the incident command center. Plus, these firefighters are having to deal with this along with the high temperatures as well as all that gear that they have to wear. So, you know, getting around and getting contained on this fire was the biggest issue. And, I, and, and I'll also say that the, other, the, the primary concern was keeping the fire from pushing into Idlewild and going any further near this, you know, five or six hundred homes that it was threatening for most of the, uh, the, the night last night. And, and so now they feel uh, what I'm hearing is they feel as though th things are looking better on that regard. But now there's there. The southeast has been sort of uh, laid off of. And that's where they're going to be focusing their their power on today. And an arrest in the case. It looks like this thing was deliberately set, huh? Absolutely. This guy, Brandon McGlover, he's a 32 year old guy from Temecula. Uh, he's been booked on five counts of arson to wildland and being held on one million dollar bail. Allegedly, this guy was running around setting fires in the southwest Riverside County uh, along Highway 74. One of those fires was the Cranston fire. Witnesses spotted a car like his at the scene. But then shortly after that, cops in uh, Hemet and uh, Cal Fire tracked him down and arrested him. That's absolutely crazy. All right, Corbin, when you get more information, you let us know. I, I will. Hey, I will tell you one, guys, uh, one thing. If, before I let you go, I got to tell you this story. It, if, I, if I have the time, the, last night as I was searching for a place to stay, I came to this hotel and I talked to a couple of people here. They, 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 they're music teachers. 500 of their camp had been, had been evacuated along in the Idlewild camp area. These are kids of all ages that are, you know, choir and all, and all kinds of stuff like that. And then, you know, they've heard the, get, you know, the sirens get out and, and the music teachers make get to this hotel I'm at. But here's the kicker. They get to this hotel, they're relaxing, and then this happens. Right when I turned off the light, this is not a drill. Get out of your rooms. Get out of the building. There is an emergency. What? <laughs> we finally relaxed. We're going to go to sleep. The light's off. I thought, oh, no. I mean, just imagine... If anybody was having kind of PTSD over the day. I mean, it's crazy. I was out here, too. People are out in their skivvies. Think about it. Fire kicks these people <laughs> out of their homes and then kicks them out of their hotel. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and she sounds exhausted. It is amazing. <laughs> Thanks so much, Corbin. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Corbin Carson, the latest on this uh, this Cranston fire that's burning up in the San Bernardino National Forest, uh, Riverside County Mountains up in there. We'll get you an update on the fire that has shut down Yosemite when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue a reminder. Tomorrow we're going to be live at uh, HQ Gastropub in Huntington Beach. We'd love it if you would come on out. A little bit later we'll tell you more about what we can uh, expect to, to Oh, there will be special yeah, guests. Special guests. Oh, special, special prizes. Gifts. Yes. I'm kind of uh, worried. Did you ever have the fear when you were a little kid and you're having a birthday party that no one was going to show up? I lived that. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Well, I had a part. I mean, there was a big flood a couple of days before my birthday, my ninth birthday. And uh, I didn't. I didn't have a lot of people show up because everyone's house is underwater. We're, we're under. Nick, we're going to need a ninth birthday party in here. Stat. Gary and Shannon will continue just a moment. So why don't you just meet me in the middle? In the middle. Shannon, big stories today in D.C., 
Some House Republicans introduced articles of impeachment against the uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. It's not going to go anywhere, but one of those frustrating political exercises where someone thinks this is a good idea. I guess they're upset about the Department of Justice not turning over information about the Mueller investigation, but they're literally asking for close to a million documents. And... uh, the uh, AG, deputy AG at least, has said, listen, it, I, we can't do it immediately. Heat wave appears to be over. Yesterday, there were a bunch of uh, record temperatures set, including uh, Woodland Hills at 109, Palm Springs 119, and Thermal at 122. Should, mm. should be down a little bit today, but it's not going to make fighting the fires any easier. I wonder what it says there. on Bun Boy. Is that what it's called? What? The temp- The thermometer? Out in the desert oh, out on the in, way to uh, Vegas? Isn't yes. it Bun Boy? <laughs> I think it is. I thought that was a, a weird website that I didn't know about. <laughs> did Bun you, Boy? Did you hear about those idiots that stole the uh, pedal boat in the middle of the night in Echo Park? Well, I saw that they and were the boat looking, capsized. Yeah, and they so were looking for a body? Yeah. They're using a bunch of technology to see if, if there's a body in the water. I don't I don't think so either. I think they uh, stole the boat and it capsized and then they took off. Uh, Corbin just gave us an update on the Cranston fire that's uh, burning way up in the San Bernardino National Forest. We're at 4,700 acres, only 5% containment. And the key is that there is an arrest. Uh, Yesterday at about 1150, somebody called the CHP to say that there was a guy starting a fire who then jumped into a white Honda and went westbound on Highway 74 towards Hemet. So a few minutes later, Hemet police go to this guy's address. Uh, a few minutes after that, there's a new fire starting on State Street, and the vehicle is seen westbound on Gilman Springs Road towards Highway 79. Within a few minutes, they were able to pull this guy over at Newport Road and State Street and made an arrest. Um, how, I don't understand. This is one of the psychology things that I don't think I've ever really understood is arsonists especially in a situation like we had yesterday, record high temperatures in a place where you know that that fire is going to grow exponentially. It's going to explode in size. And the 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 idea that you're not – it's not just burning things and watching cool fire stuff. You are putting people's lives at risk. People like this, they just – they get their kicks off of watching all the coverage, watching the enormity of it, that they did that. It's a power thing, I believe. Side note, the Bun Boy thermometer costs $750,000 to build. That seems like a lot. Doesn't it for a thermometer and baker? <laughs> a pit stop thermometer? Anyway. Pit stop thermometer. This fire, 27% contained now in Yosemite. They are conservative with that. They don't ever want to backtrack with containment figures. So it's probably a little bit more than that, which is good. Yeah, but you've got, I mean, now that the park is closed, uh, it it doesn't necessarily make things easier for firefighters that the park is closed. The terrain is ridiculous. Yeah. And it's 172 degrees. That's going to be their biggest issue is the terrain in that area. I mean, don't forget, back on the 14th, a firefighter lost his life because the terrain was so difficult. He was on a bulldozer that eventually flipped over and pinned him. Um, this is a this is going to be a significant problem. Uh, probably the largest fire in the state this year, or I should say, we can hope that we don't have any other big ones like this. But at forty three thousand plus acres, it's the largest in the state right now. 
There are others burning. That's the other thing. Is there are others burning in Oregon, Colorado that Redding. are big as well? There's a 20,000-acre fire in Redding. That's only 10% contained. That's a lot to burn up there. Yeah, and they're talking about the ones in Oregon. The substation fires burned 79,000 acres up there. And if you look at it, just through uh, the state of Oregon, which is not a huge state, 160 wildfires already this, this uh, season. Or by season, I mean this year, this fire year. If you were planning to go to Yosemite, I know a lot of people make summer vacation plans every year there. Um, there are refunds that are being offered, obviously. Lodges and campgrounds you can rebook. And then it's important to know, I would say, that Hetch Hetchy is still open. Uh, activities, lodges, campgrounds, Hetch Hetchy, Tuolumne Meadows, White Wolf Lodge, High Sierra Camp and Fish Camp. So there you go. And uh, oh, and if you were planning to climb Half Dome this week, that's not going to happen for no, you. You wouldn't Can, be. Uh, permits are canceled until further notice. Yeah, and they, they said that they're going to reopen by Monday, I think it is. They're going to reopen the park. I don't see that happening. That just seems to be uh, very, it's very Thursday. optimistic. Thinking. Yeah. I, it, and the thing is, is even once the fire is put out, that harmful smoke toxic smoke is going to stay in the valley i would i would think for a while yeah probably it's going to sit there uh and i mean just the fire that was burning out near my house the other day even yesterday after two days after it had started and basically had been put out you could still smell the smoke you could still smell uh you still smell like a barbecue thank you very much i appreciate that um the National Interagency Fire Center, it's a, it's a federal agency. It's based, I think it's in Idaho. They said that this year wildfires have burned more than 3.9 million acres, and obviously that total is growing about 11% above the average since 2008. And right now, from Alaska to Mexico, there are 14 states reporting large fires. And obviously California right now is going to be the, the uh, main center point of all of this. There are firefighters in Yosemite right now from as far away as Virginia who have been brought in to uh, to help take care of all of this. So this is going to be an interesting couple of uh, couple of days as hopefully conditions cool off quite a bit. Maybe the uh, humidity goes back up just a tiny bit. I have an idea. Yeah. Why don't you come out and hang out with us at the beach tomorrow? Oh, this is the best way to get your mind off of the heat. Clearly. It's going to be 172 again. Well, I'm sorry, 170 today. So it is because it is a little bit cooler. But tomorrow, our next news and brews are going to be at HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach, right there on PCH. Absolutely fantastic views, wonderful food, great beer, wine, whatever it is that you need to get your your weekend started. I have a friend who's a chef who called me last night, and he had heard us uh, talking about having a mac and cheese ball in a slider because I couldn't decide between which dish to order. Right. And he he recommended that we put the mac and cheese ball in between two patties. That, that, that sounds like a carb nap waiting to happen. You're damn right it does. You better eat that late in the show. You have, <laughs> you all have an enormous responsibility to come out and hang out with us tomorrow after what happened at Gary's ninth birthday. Enormous. Enormous okay. responsibility. We can't have that disappointed look on your face ever again. Mm. We will not relive 1982. Not on my watch. Not tomorrow in Huntington Beach. It is going to be a great party for you. It is one of the, it is that ninth birthday, even though nobody showed up, it was one of the most memorable birthdays ever. Because that man made you a cake? A family friend mm. had never made a cake it's before suspect. in his life. It's, it's not suspect. It is suspect. 
Would you, as a grown man, make a strange child a birthday cake? I was not a strange child. You take that back. Well, he wasn't a family member of yours. No, but he was a family friend of ours, and and we were going to stay at... They had opened up their house to us because our house was unlivable for a couple of days because of, I don't know, three feet of water in it. So they were just being nice. Oh, I see. They were putting you up, and he made the cake. Right. Oh, that's sweet. He was just some random dude on the street who's like, hey, little boy, I heard your birthday. (laughs) You going to eat my cake. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite color. That was not him. Was it Dennis? No. <laughs> Dennis as Sling Blade. Mm-hmm. Mm, cake tastes like french fries. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, tomorrow, HQ Gastro uh, Pub at Huntington Beach. We'd love it if you would come on out. <laughs> when we come back, uh, an introduction to the new member of a sort of a, I guess, a, a new family of, member. New family a new family member, member here at KFI. Um. Daniel Jeremiah is going to be doing uh, color commentary for the Chargers games this year, and he's going to join us, and uh, we get to meet him next time. Next segment. On Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, keeping our eye on the big stories of the day. Of course, firefighters trying to get a handle on that monster wildfire that blew up in the San Bernardino National Forest near Idlewild. 3,000 people told to get out yesterday. They've got a guy under arrest for starting that one. Uh, Paul Ryan saying today he does not support an effort by a group of Republicans to impeach Deputy Attorney General uh, Rod Rosenstein. We'll see how that plays out. Also out of D.C., the federal government's trying to uh, reunite the last 1,600-plus migrant families that were separated at the border that have been deemed uh, eligible for reunification. This is just the final hours of this before they – I don't know what the penalty is. I assume they're going to start paying fines to – who does the federal government pay fines to? Well – I can smell it. Can you smell it? Uh, it's the start of football season. I thought I was... It's upon us. Ah, that's what you smell. The clean-cut grass, oh, the, the sunshine, clean. the sweat. The helmet, the pads that have been in the locker for seven days without mm. being washed. Mm. It's like days. a cave in Thailand. No, it's not exactly what it smells like. We have a new member of our KFI broadcast family, and his name is Daniel Jeremiah. He is a big deal in the world of the NFL. He's an analyst for NFL Network, a writer for NFL.com. You can find him on Twitter at Move the Sticks. I've been following Move the Sticks for years. I didn't know who was behind it, but I know now. And there he is, Daniel (laughs) Jeremiah, joining us on the the phone. First of all, uh, welcome to KFI. I appreciate that. I, I could not be more excited. And uh, it's funny you mentioned that about the move the sticks and not knowing who's behind it. Uh, that happens a lot of times where I'll introduce myself and we're talking to people. And then through the conversation, it kind of comes up what you do. And then they go, oh, you're the move the sticks guy. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's me. <laughs> that was exactly what the thought was that went through my head when I was reading all about you joining the broadcast as the new color analyst with Matt Money Smith there up in the booth. Uh, are you excited about this season? I could not be more excited just for multiple reasons, too. First of all, uh, the team's going to be really good. So anytime you're, you're getting a chance to watch a good football game each and every week featuring a good team, that's going to be fun. And then you add into that working with really one of my real close friends. I've, I've known Matt for a long time. We've worked together at the NFL Network, um, and we just have a lot of fun together. So uh, we've got, you know, look, you know, it's, it's a great group all the way around. So I'm excited to get to meet everybody uh, and really get this thing kicked off. 
What about watching a game? I mean, I know that you're going to be working it, but watching a game at StubHub Center, that's that's a different experience, i got to imagine. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I've seen I've uh, I've been there before for a high school football game and it was packed and energetic for a high school game. So uh, to get a chance, if you're a fan um, to go in there and just have the proximity to these players, um, it, it's something that I think it's, it's a unique experience. It's only going to be available here for, you know, for a couple of years. So I, I think it's a great opportunity for fans to check that out when I. You know, when I was working with teams, I remember, you know, starting with the Baltimore Ravens in their scouting department and had my brother come out for a game. And I said, hey, look, we, we have you have your spot, you know, up in the stands, but let's get field passes. Let's not leave during warmups. I want you to stay down here and just watch an NFL game from this close proximity. So you can <laughs> kind of feel the speed and, and, and really kind of see just how amazing the game is. And he'd been to a million football games, but it was a whole new experience being down there on the field. And I think the StubHub uh, center provides a lot of fans with that similar type experience. How many of these guys uh, have you scouted? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm assuming when you come to a, a team broadcast like this that you got to do a, a substantial amount of homework to get to know all the guys and get to know uh, their stats and everything like that. Uh, but you've you've been scouting for a long time, so you probably know uh, who you're dealing with here. I, I would say you know there's still a few. Like I've got a, before we get to uh, August 11th, there's still some of these back end guys that maybe were small school free agents. Um, that I've got to do a little work on. But I'm I'm in pretty good shape for the most part. If you've been drafted um, or if you've played in the NFL for the last however many years, there's a good chance that I've come across you. So I have a pretty good foundation. Um, but but still a few guys, a few stragglers out there. I got to do some homework on. That's why I'm I'm looking forward to getting out there to camp. And and you guys mentioned that smell of the grass. The smell of the pads, though. I think I, I'm with you on that not being the greatest. Uh, but the grass, the grass on the other hand, I do enjoy. Uh, it's a it's a it's a lot of fun, and I'm excited to meet you. And have you ever been with Matt on the road and seen him sing karaoke? <laughs> I, no, but this is this needs to happen. I need to see this. I'm sending so you a I, video right now. Oh, I'm going to no. text it to you. Oh, please do. Please do. I, <laughs> so I, I have to so that, that you can be an official member of the family. Because yeah. if I've seen oh, it, you've got to see it. I don't. I don't know, okay. Daniel. I don't know if you're like a Dropbox guy or a Google Drive guy, but you're going to want to start a folder called Blackmail <laughs> and just, and just start dumping some of this stuff in there. Uh, so that at the end of the season, well, you can hold it over both uh, both Shannon and Matt. Well, here's the deal. Shannon's in great shape because I have nothing on her, but I might I might be already out of storage on my on my mat. <laughs> right All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Split the folders. I will send you some stuff on Shannon that will be very useful uh, if you get into a pinch. Hey, I've got to ask you about the NFL's biggest mystery uh, yeah. and what your opinion is. Malcolm Butler, what <laughs> happened? Oh, I was at the game, you know, so I'm, I'm at the Super Bowl and, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, you try and, you try and, and when you're in the national media, you're trying to play everything right down the middle and not root for one team or the other. Uh, but I work for the Eagles and I got a lot of my best friends are there. Uh, so I was probably a little bit uh, partial to them. And it, it was like one series, whoa, where's Malcolm Butler? And then it was just kind of throughout the whole game. I'm like, oh, he's really not going to play. He looks fine. Uh, and I saw today with Dan Shaughnessy was there yesterday. Tried to really, uh, tried to really push Belichick. He's never going to say. No. I think it's one of those mysteries until 
until Malcolm Butler sits down with whoever takes over Joe Buck's show, uh, then we're never going to find out. Uh, we're never going to find out what happened there until he spills the beans. What do you think it was? Do you think he uh, offended Belichick personally or something? I, I feel like it's got to be a behavior issue or said something. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, the, you know, missing a practice for you know being sick. I just can't see that. Just, I can't see that. I, I don't know. The other thing about Belichick, though, is he does think differently than everybody else. So if maybe he had truly convinced himself that matchup-wise, you know, somebody else was better in that game and, and he knew better than all of us, I, I, I don't know. But that was definitely bizarre. And it's bizarre that of the, uh, you know, the 53 guys on that roster that nobody else had a clue either. Well, the first uh, Chargers preseason game is against the Cardinals. It comes up on the 11th, so we are very excited to have you. We're very excited that you're going to be part of this team. Uh, and, man, let's have a good year this time. Yeah, I'll be out at camp on Saturday, training camp open, free to the public. It's going to be a great time. We're going to be out there. Both of us are going to be out there oh, doing next the week. show next week, yeah. twice next week. So. Very cool. Daniel, oh, thank you. Fantastic. All right, Chance. Appreciate you guys. Have a great day. Thanks. Daniel Jeremiah there, the latest uh, the latest addition to the Chargers uh, on-air broadcast team he's going to be doing color commentary with uh, matt money smith in the booth and shannon of course on the sidelines this year and again the first preseason game will be the 11th of august and the first regular season game is on september 9th where they host the chiefs he sounds very nice of course he does everyone's so nice who works for the chargers except for me you're gonna have to give me his number it's just best if I don't think he would blackmail me. He sounds like too nice of a guy. He would probably counsel you out of some of your behavior. <laughs> that might happen. That might be a better thing. <laughs> All right, coming up next, burned out millennials are quitting lucrative jobs. They want to travel. They want to get those Instagram likes. <laughs> and that's why we're doing the story. I know. Uh, HQ Gastropub tomorrow. We're going to be live in Huntington Beach for our next news and brews. We would love it. Start planning now on how it is you're going to get out of work or the excuse you're going to have for starting your weekend early, all of them work for us. So we'd love to see you out there starting at 10 o'clock, doing the show live until 2. HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach. And we'll be back in just a moment. She's a Blake, we're going to need a desk for Gary's disappointment in the younger generation. I don't think, think I don't think they make desks big enough for that. A I, I think desk. we could just use the deuce gap desk. Oh yeah, we, yeah. Just, we, we haven't used that in a while. I mean, but I think this fits on that desk. Yes, I think it does. It does. Um, Gary and Shannon, it is Thursday, July 26. We'll tell you more about tomorrow's news and brews in Huntington Beach at Ace Q Gastro Pub in just a bit. Um, some of the stories that we're covering, obviously the fires that are burning. The Cranston fire that's burning in the uh, San Bernardino National Forest, 4,700 acres, 5% containment. The one near Yosemite is close to, is over, I should say, 43,000 acres. Uh, White House today is taking some issue with the characterization that they banned a CNN reporter from covering that Rose Garden event yesterday with the president and uh, the European Union guy, I think it was. And it turned out that Caitlin Collins was representing uh, CNN in an Oval Office event and then shouted a bunch of questions uh, to the president related to Michael Cohen and Vladimir Putin, et cetera, et cetera, and then was told that she wasn't going to be allowed to cover the Rose Garden event. So 
all of the other news agencies, ABC, Fox, uh, CBS, everybody has come out with statements saying they absolutely defend Caitlin Collins' right to ask whatever questions she wants. I mean, outside of being inappropriate, but the uh, White House is pushing back saying we didn't actually ban her. We just said uh, that CNN could use a different reporter. Heartbreaker outside of Phoenix, an attacker last night using uh, the gun of an Arizona state trooper to shoot and kill a rookie officer in training and wound another trooper. This was uh, a fight along I-10 there in uh, Phoenix suburb. There is a, a push among younger workers to get out of things like busy and get into things like freelance work on the road in a uh, volcano in Guatemala. Well, it's not like they're digging ditches either. It's not like they need to escape factory nine-to-five work. Uh, Sarah Solomon had a pretty sweet deal going on. She is a publicist. She's 20-something, and she was able to go to Fashion Week. Uh, She could events, dinners, parties. She hung out with John Legend New York glamour at its finest, and it was her job. A lot of people would say she had it made. But she yearned for something more, as the New York Post writes, and resented only having two weeks of vacation a year. So she quit her job, where her job is to go to parties and go to Fashion Week and hang out with John Legend. She quit it because she wanted to travel more. Now, I love to travel. Right. I love traveling. You're not going to quit, though, are you? No. To travel? You, you work to play. So that you, you work can. So you can go travel. Well, and here's the thing. My biggest issue with this is that you've got people, Sarah is one of them. There's another guy who was uh, working a sales job for a long time, actually doing really well, six figures, 26 years old. Uh, but he was concerned that he had 50-hour work weeks with 10 days of vacation every year, and he didn't like that idea. So he quit so that he could travel. And he says that he traveled, you know, he he did the Michael Jordan thing. He went out on top. And since he traveled around the world, he's visited 30 countries. Uh, he and Sarah actually met at a hostel for surfers in Nicaragua a few days after she got out of her job in New York. Now, the thing is. It sounds like an STD. <laughs> just waiting to happen. And how many uh, bad decisions are made at that hostel? Oh, in a, 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 a hostel for surfers in Nicaragua. I mean, it sounds kind of fun and kind of scary all at the same time. There's probably a horror movie or two built in there. Yeah. Um, the, the thing is, if you don't work a job that sucks, I feel like you don't – not that you don't deserve to travel, but I don't think you – you certainly value. don't get to. You certainly don't get to quit a great job because it's not. I mean, you don't, you don't understand don't how good you it. have it. Right. That's what it is because you don't understand. Um, you you don't understand what it's like to have a crap job right. and realize that you've made it. If your job is working at a PR firm in Manhattan, and you get to go to dinners and parties and hang out with John Legend, and you don't get how great that is. Yeah. The, here's the thing. I don't even think she would understand how great it is that she can freelance PR jobs while she's living in a volcano on, in Guatemala. Like, I don't think she wraps her head around how amazing that life would be. Now, listen, you and I work in a job that we love. 
and you and I work in a place that we love. Yeah, but it, all, it but wasn't always that way. That's the thing. Like, I've, I can't tell you how many times I've done the overnight shift at radio stations yes. that you've never heard On of. On the weekends. Or worked in a dog kennel. I worked or Christmas wor- and Christmas Eve for right. 15 years. Forever. <laughs> like, every holiday known to man. And so when, you, when we got a, a great job, it's like, oh, thank God. This is so cool. And you lose that joy when you never have worked in a job that's less than perfect or, or wonderful. My son is an example of a guy who's who has been wrenching on cars for the last two years, right? And just, I mean, just imagine this guy's working in in a in an auto shop tire bay where the garage door opens to the afternoon sun all afternoon from about eleven in the morning until they close at six, six fifteen, six thirty, whatever it is. The sun is bearing down on that auto shop. Zero circulation, no fans, hot cars. I mean, it's unbearable. So he knows whatever his next job is, if he goes into an air-conditioned building, he's going to remember that and go, man, I never want to have to do that again. How are you doing on sunscreen? For for him. Uh, Is there a budget for that? No. Because he's a pretty pale kid. He's much, he's a very pale kid. But he keeps, I mean, he's wearing shirt and pants all day, okay. so it's not like it's a, it's not a giant concern, although there have been times where we've had to remind him uh, that he smells like barbecue yeah. because his skin is so cooked. Well, and I don't think the reminder's coming from you because you, at 45, still don't understand that when you're going to go out on the water all day that you need to put sunblock on your shins. Who puts sunblock on their shins? Everybody. According to a 2018 millennial survey by Deloitte, 43% of millennials expect to leave their job within two years. They're just staying for a little while. And I understand that. You stay for a little while and you're hoping to get into a better job and then a better job and a better job. I can understand that. Well, and that's, listen, that's a huge comment about the strength of the the economy as it sits right now, that they're comfortable enough thinking, ah, you know, I have a couple of years here, a couple of years there. As opposed to 15, 20 years ago where I was thankful to get the job. And it, what, I was not thinking about what am I going to do next. It no. was how, just, how, how long can I keep this job? Right. I, I got to keep making right. this money. I got to pay my rent kind of thing. Right. So it, just do the work. Everyone should have a crap job at some point in their life to remind them they never want to have to do that again. Coming up, more advice from Dad, a different dad, the host of the Dad Podcast. No, it's good advice. And you are a dad. It's not a put-down. Justin Worsham will join us. We're going to be talking about tough parenting questions, babies. Babies was a hot topic last week. Are you going to be okay? I'll be fine. All right. An update on the fire as well when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Freedom Caucus wants to take over the House. It looks like hard-right Republican Jim Jordan of Ohio says he's running to become House Speaker next year. Oh, you know who would play Jim Jordan in the movie is Aaron Eckhart. Excellent. Excellent call. Well, those uh, those same uh, House GOP Freedom Caucus guys are the ones who introduced the articles of impeachment 
against the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. It's not going to go anywhere, but it is a significant political statement. Um, Keeping an eye on the fires as well, the Cranston Fire burning out near Idlewild Mountain Centers, about 4,700 acres as of last count, about 5% contained. Five homes burned. And they have arrested a guy. They arrested a guy yesterday, just soon after the fire started, as a matter of fact, because somebody watched him start this fire. 11 o'clock on Thursdays, we bring in Justin Worsham, host of the Dad Podcast, where we talk all things parenting. Bad, bad dad. Mm-mm. I'm even wearing my dad to the boat shirt. Wow. It's my favorite. Yeah, I got toothpaste on it, but I still like it. <laughs> I feel like it enhances it. Yes. You know what I mean? It shows totally. my commitment to the dad life. Uh, dad podcast is where uh, Justin talks with other parents, uh, parenting experts, child psychologists, stuff like that. All about the world of uh, those little rugrats and the, the horror that they inflict upon your home and your heart. Is that right? Is that like a good? Is a good log line? What is missed on our uh, radio listenership is your forehead rubbing of yeah. like angst, to that, which was great, and your heart. Uh, so what's on? What's on tap today? We got. I found this great article uh, to further extend my masculinity. I am. Uh, I am one to peruse good housekeeping from time to time, and uh, I really like what they did. They compiled a list of like tough parenting questions, like where they seem to be very divisive in the parenting world. And then they gave you the option to choose which way you would go, uh, yes or no kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then once you selected it, it tells you the results, like a, like a poll. And if you want to go through this quiz, we're going to hit some of the highlights on it. Okay. But you can go to KFIM640, keyword Gary and Shannon, and uh, Blake Aloysius Stone is throwing up a post with the link there for you to partake. But uh, the first one is co-sleeping. What do you guys think? You guys think that babies should be allowed to sleep in the bed with mom and dad? Or should they be in their own other bassinet? Isn't there or a room? certain age where you break off that? That if that's going on? Well, here's the thing: uh, most most doctors will tell you that co-sleeping is a big no-no. Uh, ever, ever. I had you don't want to roll show, on the kid and correct. suffocate. Exactly. The kid. That was the one of two pieces of advice my retired respiratory therapist mom told me: is that she goes, "Listen, I'm not going to tell you what to do. The one thing I ask is that you don't." Put them in bed with you, especially when they're infants, because she had so many babies come in. Unfortunately, that mom or dad had rolled over on. But a lot of parents, moms especially, think, and I'm not trying to throw moms under the bus. I get it. But they like it because they kind of sleep, and the baby's almost like a puppy. Like, they can roll over and feed in the middle of the night. You don't have to wake up. Uh, but, Dr. <laughs> I really dug a big hole for yeah. that. Yeah. Let's just smooth over. Hey, I had an expert on the dad podcast. He's the director of the Yale Sleep Center, Dr. Greg Canapari. And Moving he... away from teeth. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he says that st- uh, all of the research that they have seen says that not only should your baby not be in bed with you, but should not be in the room with you. That both mom and dad and baby sleep better if they're in a separate room. The My experience was I would sleep with the kid on my chest within the first, like, maybe two, possibly three weeks with the bassinet in the room with us. Never next to us mm-hmm. on the bed, but it, well, like on top of me. And I could still I still remember very vividly the physical pain of what felt like the cartilage from my ribs to my sternum being separated. I mean, it's not a heavy thing. It's like an eight-pound baby. But still, when it's there for four hours yeah. or however long they sleep before they wake up again, it's a terrifying... I mean, it's a... <laughs> but if I were to roll over or the baby was to fall off that would immediately wake me up 
but and then the only other time that the kids would ever share the bed with us was uh, if I like when I was working in the mornings in uh, living up in Seattle, I'd come home and take a nap. My son was old enough to sit there and watch Teletubbies with me, my choice, and then fall asleep. And he was, but he was old enough. Like if I got too close to him, he'd reach over and push me away. <laughs> That's great. So, but those are the only two times. Never, a, it was never an ongoing thing. It was never a long term thing. That is my. You I would said be, that uh, the the baby, if the baby fell or you rolled, you would wake up right away. Yeah. How many times did the babies fall? Never. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. That, but, but I mean, because the thing is, if it's on your chest, yeah, the slightest shift in weight, especially because they're that big. Yeah. The slightest shift in and weight. And you were really thin back then. <laughs> wow. Hey, uh, let's kick well, Gary no, while you, he's you down. Were like, you were a uh, slighter. I'm going to help you. All right. I got this. Uh, Statistically, actually, babies are more in danger if you're sleeping with them in a recliner. So there's a double hit for Mm, Gary. Uh, This one I thought was really (laughs) interesting because I literally did this with my father until probably my mid-20s. And I don't even I've talked about it here on the segment before, but kissing your kids on. Oh, by the way, 65 percent of parents are against co-sleeping. Uh, on that one, which I was shocked that I thought it would lean more to that direction than that. But anyway, kissing your kids on the lips, yay oh, or nay? I hate this because everyone loses their mind when right? any sort of celebrity is caught kissing their kids on the mouth on Instagram. Get a life. Right? I, I mean, I literally did it in my early 20s with my dad. And so I, I but which I, judging by Gary's face, is a little different. And But I, it's a thing where Did I dad never, have a beard? Uh, yeah, all his, my whole life he had a beard. In fact, when I was two, he shaved his beard for some reason, and it was just me and him in the house. And I had a freak out because I thought it was somebody else. I vividly remember going, <laughs> where's my father? Like hiding behind the couch. And he's like, I am not it's kissing me. you. <laughs> but uh, 64% of parents say that they are for kissing their kids on the lips. But the experts, this is crazy to me, they recommend against it because you can spread cold sores, strep, stomach viruses, bacterial infections, and respiratory viruses through a mouth-to-mouth no, they're just kiss. a bunch of pansies right? at that point. I, I, I never had a problem with it, but I never forced it. Right. Like, if the ki- if I go in for a kiss and the kid's like, nah, and, you know, gives me the cheek, okay, that's the sign. That's the time. Yeah. And I would never, like, you, you let your father have access to your lips. Right. You should probably stop kissing Nick on the mouth, though. No, that's friendly. Because he's 26. He's, but he's, he's not 26. His, no, he's not Shannon, my kid. You're not oh. understanding the topic. This is that he's not his son. Oh, yeah, it's, it's parent. Yeah, he's, that's a that's just male affection. That's how we do it here. Got it. Uh, picky eaters. Uh, do you make only one dinner, or you'll make whatever it is that they can eat? To be honest, I think we were more likely to eat what they would eat, <laughs> like. But it, but it was everybody ate the same. It was From a compromise, remember, right? Just about all the time, everybody would eat the same thing. Seventy one percent of parents say that they make one dinner and they get on board, and the experts would agree with that. They don't recommend that you make multiple dinners. Yeah, that it ridiculous. actually encourages. I love what the pediatrician. We have a resident pediatrician on the Dad Podcast, Doctor Jay Sute. He's also a stand up comedian. He recommends that what you do is you give small portions, about the size of the palm of the kids, uh, the size of the kids' palm in their plate of all of it. And you don't give them seconds of anything until they've eaten everything is the way it works. And he goes, that's the way that you can get them vegetables and everything. And you give you keep reintroducing things and cycling through stuff. Yeah. I think most often we would make that compromise where the kids would eat dino nuggets and we would have dino nuggets on salad or something like right. that. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break oh. here and then we'll come back with some more tough parenting questions and Gary's favorite topic. 
Babies. A reminder, tomorrow we're going to be live for our next News and Brews at HQ Gastropub in Huntington Beach. And it's an opportunity for you to kick off your weekend early with us. We'll be doing the show live starting at 10 a.m. They're going to open the doors for us nice and early all the way until 2 o'clock. Come on out, have uh, lunch or beer or wine or maybe a combination of all of that. Gary and Shannon on this uh, Thursday. It's July 26th. Big story today is the uh, fires that are burning right now, the Cranston Fire in the uh, San Bernardino National Forest. 4,700 acres is the uh, the latest acreage for only 5% containment. And that one was started by someone. They have arrested a guy that they believe started that fire yesterday afternoon. News in Washington. House Speaker Paul Ryan says he does not support an effort by a group of Republican House conservatives to impeach Deputy Eternal, Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. And... Uh, Demi Lovato, to continue our Demi Lovato trend. She is going to rehab, she says. She's going to rehab. She was found unconscious in her bed after a long night of partying. By the way, if your friend is an addict and you're cheering them while they're taking shots, you might want to question whether or not you're actually their friend. Justin Worsham is with us, host of the Dad Podcast, and we are talking about hard parenting questions. Where do you you fall? Yeah, a great article in Good Housekeeping. Uh, If you want to check it out, go to KFIM640.com, keyword Gary and Shannon. First time I've ever heard a man say those words. I know. I love it. It's 2018. (laughs) i got to be honest. I love it. Mm -hmm. There's there's something that uh, it does to me, and I know it's not a manly thing, but when I get to see kitchen sponge hacks... I just, oh, I it lights up my soul. I mean it. I mean it. I'm being 100% honest. Remember, this is Steal Justin. my man card. If, it, if, if losing my man card means I can't learn more uh, about housekeeping hacks, then so be it. Remember, this is the man who started shopping for a wife in kindergarten. Yes. You're point. right. Wow, good memory. I was yep. thinking about that on the drive here. Like, anyway, um, real quick, this is a quick hit. Uh, so they, they had this article where they hit you with the tough questions, and then you could decide which side you go on, and it gives you the poll results. If you want to check that out, go to the link I mentioned earlier. Spanking, I was shocked. Even today is very right down the middle, 47-53. So 53% say never spank their kids. 47% said yes. The experts say across the board research says that in a lot of cases, it actually heightens the behavior more than it uh, limits it. And that parents, uh, adults that grow up from parents uh, uh, spanking them, are more likely to be depressed, have substance abuse issues, all of that stuff. I think this is one of those questions that would change with me if I actually had kids. Because mm. I think that spanking, I'm, I'm, I'm for it now, but I think if I made kids, then I would be against it. it it's ironic because yeah. you would think that when they're born, you're like, how could I ever? Right. And then there's a moment. <laughs> I've I've hit each of my kids. I I, I don't know for any mandated reporter, uh, come get them. I, you know I don't know what to say. I'm just being Damn. honest. I hit Damn. one of your They're kids on now. Tuesday. Oh, you did? Yeah, oh, good for them. I like it. I like it. Just keep them on their toes. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I think it, it's there's a moment where you 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 just got frustrated. There was one time Jackie was I think three or four, and uh, it was nothing compared to what my dad did to me. I would get thumped on the head. I've had multiple handprints left on my butt. Every single one of them, my perception is I deserved it. I know this is a very hot button issue for parents out there. But uh, there was the one time that I kind of had to resist laughing in the moment of me just being super tired and super frustrated because Jack just wouldn't lay in his bed. I said, get in the bed. And he's just defiant in all of his cuteness going, no, not good. I go, get in the bed. It's time for no. And he's like, no. And he's so young. There's not a lot I can take from him. I've already given him multiple timeouts. It's not getting through. So I was I, I moved towards him and he, he had a 
predator prey reaction and started to run and I swatted him on the butt and he froze and locked eyes with me and goes, You hit me. Do said, that again, old man. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> and he produced a butterfly knife from his diaper and it was on. Seriously, uh, I wouldn't mess around with Jack. No. Yeah. He scared me. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what I'm saying is I was more afraid of losing control of that's that's my kid. That right. I'm like, I gotta maintain a handle on this. There's there's gotta be a delusion of control on your child. But he said, You hit me, and I said, Yeah, I'll do it again if you don't get in that bed. And here's where it's bad because all the people who are pro spanking, they all have these kinds of examples. He got right, right in that bed. It, there's always, and I, even as a kid who grew up getting thumped in the head, I constantly am lecturing my kids going, you know, your grandpa used to beat the crap out of me. And I felt like I listened a lot better than you listened to me. So let's just not push your dad to that point. All right. Let's, let's just do what he says. I do think there's a certain, there's a way to um, encourage a healthy fear of the parents. Right. Because of that control issue. They, they, first of all, the kids need to know that someone is in control. It's not the fairy tale feelings, you know, let them grow and believe in the, I mean, that you're going to confuse a kid because the kid is not developed to the point where, I mean, they turn into a feral animal if you don't have some amount of control in the house. Yeah. I'm not saying, you know, their, their day is scripted down to the minute or anything silly like that. But it's moderation certain, on all levels, I think is what you're saying. Certain really. beha- behavioral things that you need to stamp out quickly. Yep. Somehow, how, you know, but... Uh, the other one that I was shocked by, uh, but I think I fell for the trick here, is it says, what age could kids stay home alone? And they gave the age of nine. So under nine, 3% said that was fine. Over nine, 97% said. And I was like, wow, that seemed, I'm shocked that today's, I'm, I'm okay with that, My, but I'm shocked that today's parents said that. Well, yeah. you have to think about what might happen while your kid's at home. I was left at home alone at nine years old. And I was fine. I'd go home from school. I'd do my homework before my parents got home. You know, carpool would drop me off. But one day, the Loma Prieta earthquake hit, and I was home alone. 6.9 on the Richter scale. <laughs> and I thought that I was too young to be home alone that day. Did you? Well, and, I would imagine that might be. And, I was scared out of my mind. And this is a time where you, I mean, you probably had a landline, right? But you could, yeah. could Who you am I going to call? You didn't know? Like, you just... Who am I going to call? Or if right. your parents were in the city, you probably wouldn't yeah. have been able to get they a hold of them. They were on their anyway. way back from the city, yeah. So, and so, the, but they couldn't, it's and, like and not making, worth them pulling over to try I, and call you. I've told you this even. story before, but making matters worse, when my mom arrived home, I said, there was just a big earthquake. And she said, okay, yeah, whatever. And went upstairs, went about her day, and did not believe me until the carpool lady came rushing through the door. Oh, Shanna, are you okay? Are you okay? And my mom says, oh, I guess there was, it really was an earthquake. She goes and turns the television on, and there's the Bay Bridge collapsed. Oh, you guys didn't have Twitter or anything? We didn't have Twitter. We had a television. So weird. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, it's like, that's like all of the alien movies involving kids, right? Where it's like, no, this is not okay. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah. whatever. That's, that's what happened. That's wild. <laughs> I, I never had anything cool. I just ate junk food and watched a lot of HBO that I shouldn't have. That's yeah. What I did. yeah, we did that too. <laughs> right? We did a lot of that. Oh, yeah. it was great. It was good times. Uh, let's see. Then speaking of which, what age do you talk about uh, sex with your kids? Eight or younger, 31% said that they would do that. Eight over eight is 69%. Now, the reason I find that interesting is because most experts say that it is normal for your kid to start having questions around five or six. If we go back to talking about my kids, Jacob, no interest. I've had to force, I lobbed it out recently. I go, just so you know, if you have any questions about sex, you can come to your mom and I, right? And he's like, yeah. 
I said, okay. And then that was it. And I thought he would go, oh, good. And he was, like, going to produce a list, well, maybe. I've, yeah. <laughs> like, I've been working through some things. It's such an ignorant parent move, right? Where, and, then, uh, and then it's like – and I said, well, I just don't – I guess I just want to be clear. I don't want you talking to your friends without they talking. Are, they are idiots. Yes, that's yeah. what I said. And he yeah. goes, oh, I couldn't bring it up. I'd get in trouble. Somebody run to the principal. He goes, I'd definitely come to you. I was like, okay. And then I was just waited. I'm, like, folding line. I go, so do you have any questions? He's like, No. Not interested. Jack, however, three years younger. <laughs> yeah. Every time there's some kind of innuendo of some couple going into another room, like, what are they doing? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Ask your brother. <laughs> he says, I don't care. <laughs> uh, well, what's, that's good. The other one that I thought was interesting that we'll wrap up with this one is, uh, do you have a favorite kid? That was split down the middle with a 55% saying no, which I was shocked by that. But... Right. Gary's already rolling his rolling eyes. My eyes. Not it's... really shocked, right? Because, well, here's my, I like the way my dad put it. I asked, because I asked my dad, I said, do you have favorites? He goes, you don't have favorites, but you're never happy with all of them at the same time. That's what I was going to say, is it's not that you have, like, I like one more than the other, but there are days. Yeah. You know, there are days where one of them is, is making you mad or you're particularly proud of the other. Or, I mean, but there are days. Yeah. It's not like I would I would put a price tag on either one of them, and one price tag would be higher than the other or anything. And sometimes one kid's just easier than the other kid. Yes. Uh, well. In different, well, in my case, yes. <laughs> Jacob, ways. my yeah. older son, cakewalk. Like, he yeah. gets everything. Everything's going. There's been moments where it's hard to manage his emotions because he's a feeler like his dad. And, uh, and Jack is the one that I'm worried about, I think. Not worried as far as his well-being, but worried about what he'll do to the rest of the world. <laughs> I can't wait to see right? what he's going to do to the world. Oh, when he turns 14. Oh, just, my gosh. I'll be a, a, shallow, a, shell, a shell of a man is what I will be. We're going to get rid Morrison. of you and have the, uh, the Jack, de- uh, Jack desk, <laughs> the Jack segment. Natalie offered this. She said, you, you know, she goes, hey, you know, since the kids are in school, you should bring them in to yeah. do the parenting segment. I go, uh, I don't know if anybody needs that because sometimes they say bad words. That's all right. Sometimes we say bad words. That's a good point by you. We. Uh, Thank you, Justin. We (laughs) appreciate it. Justin Warsham, host of The Dad Podcast. You can check it out at thedadpodcast.com. You said a very bad word this morning. When we come back, not on the radio, I didn't. When we come back, someone's blowing the dust off of these old murders, and potentially they're going to be attributed to the Golden State Killer. We'll tell you about the latest one out of Orange County when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFIAM 640. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, keeping an eye on that wildfire there near Idlewild. It just really blew up yesterday, tripled in size overnight. 3,000 people told to get out, and a lot of those people remain out of their homes as firefighters try to make progress up there. We're still trying to figure out what's going to happen. I don't think anything's going to happen with this, but some members of uh, House Republican Caucus, the Freedom Caucus, have introduced articles of impeachment against the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein because they're arguing about what sort of documents have been turned over, if any, and when all of them will be turned over to House investigators as they look into investigating the Mueller investigation. Prosecutors in Orange County have agreed this week to review a 1979 murder investigation. There is a... There is a... um, 
a program in the DA's office that will look into old cases upon request. And there was an attorney, Annie Della Donna, who runs the pro bono innocent rights, innocence rights of Orange County, who made the request because she saw similarities in this case that could be connected to the Golden State Killer. The conviction was of a man named William Evans. Now, he's dead, but she still wants to open this back in. Back up, excuse me. You know, what's interesting about this, uh, Anna, Annie Deladonna, is that she was the victim of an abduction attempt as a teenager. And years later saw a sketch of the Golden State Killer suspect that she thought resembled her attacker. So that's where she started looking at these rape and murder cases that had occurred nearby, and that's when she came across this case of William Evans. She said she lived six blocks away from the victim in the case. Interesting that they were, I mean, that, that's a pretty specific connection. that she, It's not just somebody picking up a cold case. This is a woman who's got a, a very specific connection to this old case. Now, and this is, it was 1979, uh, and it was March uh, there was a woman in Fountain Valley, a, a mother in Fountain Valley, Joan Virginia Anderson. She's 28 years old, and she was raped and killed uh, with a hammer in the master bedroom of her home in Fountain Valley. She was hit more than 20 times with that hammer. Her husband was away on a business trip at the time, and the killer did not harm her six-month-old daughter and three-year-old son who were also in the home. Um, those have a lot of similarities to the murders that the Golden State Killer carried out um attacking at first a woman who's home alone the husband's away that's how his crime started his rapes and murders uh, he later moved on to when couples were together but that's yeah. how he was doing things in 1979 he also would never touch the kids if there were kids in the home he would never you know just ignored them well investigators look at who would have uh access to this home and there was a construction crew working on the anderson home at the time of the killing and a guy named William Evans was was one of the guys on that construction crew. He was arrested for the murder. Prosecutors, get this, this would never fly today. No. Prosecutors relied on hypnotized witness testimony. It, this, the state Supreme Court way back in 84 determined that that evidence was improper. But this is saying that uh, Evans and his family were preparing for his release when a jail informant then claimed that Evans had confessed to him that, in fact, he killed Joan Anderson in her home. Uh, thinking it would lead to a quicker release, Evans took a plea deal rather than face trial, was sentenced to 15 years to life in prison. He eventually died of a heart attack behind bars in 2013. The attorney notes that there are several aspects of the case that she believes uh, matches the, the Golden State Killer's MO, including the husband being away, the fact that the victim was bound by meticulously placed cords that the killer took with him. We saw that. He was very good at tying knots. We later found that he was in the Navy at one point. She also noted that the killer is believed to have stayed in the home for hours after the killing, cooking and eating in the kitchen. And that was also something that the Golden State Killer would do. He was also in Orange County around the time. Yeah, he would definitely have the location. And, and I mean, like Annie Deladonna has said, that definitely meets the M.O. that this guy had. So it, it isn't clear whether anything was retained from the crime scene, crime scene that might forensically tie this guy, the Golden State Killer, to her murder. 
uh, they do have um, Evan's DNA, D'Angelo's DNA. They do have those both in law enforcement databases for comparison purposes if, in fact, they can pull some of the evidence from 1979, whether it's the hammer, whether it's uh, blood, hair, fiber, something like that, that would be able to uh, let them run that DNA sample against what they do have already for Williams, uh, for Evans and and D'Angelo. All right. Tomorrow is the day. It is our news and brews at the beach, our summer edition party. You've got to come out and hang out with us. HQ's gastro uh, gastro pub right there on PCH, is it not? It is. And it's a beautiful view, uh, a way to beat the heat because it's instead of 172 like it was yesterday, it's only 170 today. A great way to kick off your weekend early. Come on out. We'll have some special guests that you'll get to meet, some special gifts perhaps that we're going to be handing out as well. All tomorrow at our next News and Brews, HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach starting right at 10 o'clock. Are you looking at the menu over there? I'm just. Are you already planning your I'm your just keeping my options open. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 coming up next, Terror in the Skies. How about you? John and Ken, you can't just present us with an all-color mugshot and us not be horrified. We are keeping our eye on the big stories of the day. Locally, Demi Lovato is headed to rehab. That's good news. Hopefully, she'll get right back on track. This after an overdose earlier in the week, found unconscious in her bed after a long night of partying, Narcan uh, was used. Also, firefighters very busy very busy up there in the San Bernardino National Forest as they try to wrangle in that monster of a fire that tripled in size overnight. Five homes burned. There are 3,000 people told to get out. Uh, looks like yesterday was, in fact, the peak of our heat wave. We saw temperatures uh, set records in Woodland Hills, Palm Springs. Palm Springs was 119 yesterday. Thermal was 122. I think breaking records that they set a few What was years it back. at your house? Uh, the hottest I saw, like right when I pulled into the driveway at home yesterday was about 108 Ooh. and it may have gone up a degree or two after that, but it was still, I think it was, uh, it was nine o'clock at night. It was still 96 when I was sitting out on the back porch. Hey, this, uh, just crossed the wire. We told you about those big fires in Greece. Remember the fire that, uh, just swept people out to sea, uh, people jumping in the, the, in the sea there because they couldn't get away from the flames on, on the land. They, they moved that quickly and the wind shifted that dramatically. 74 people killed Greek authorities now are saying that there are serious indications that that was set by arson. Wow. All right. Uh, Ooh, look what I got. I got terror in the skies. Flight 209er, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough! I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane! It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. You've got a friend who's a pilot. I do. How, uh, what, what is his rule for bottle to throttle? Oh, I think it's... Uh, 18 hours? No, I think it's 12 hours. 12 I think hours. The air, I think his airline is 12 hours. But he probably pads that. I mean, he probably even... He's very careful Yeah, with that. very careful. Yeah. There was a Newport Beach 
captain that was not as careful as our friend. He piloted an Alaska Airlines flight while under the influence of alcohol. Uh-oh. And now he's been sentenced to a year and a day in federal prison. His name is David Hans Artson. And he was pretty on his way to wasted. He was there. A pair of breathalyzer tests. He arrived in Orange County because, listen, he, he'd flown from San Diego to Portland, Portland to Orange County in one day, June 20th, 2014. When he landed in Orange County, this is after two flights, he was selected for the random drug and alcohol test by Alaska. A pair of breathalyzer tests showed he had a blood alcohol concentration of 0.132 and 0.142. Now, for a pilot, the federal limit is 0.04. Wait till you see the picture of this guy. No. I wouldn't get on this plane. It looks like all my Irish uncles. Oh, yeah. I mean yeah, that guy. Nice ruddy. That guy wakes up with a with a glass of Jameson. Oh boy! Wow. Uh, now he immediately drove home after the test, despite already having been told that he had blood alcohol content above the legal limit to drive a car. Uh, they allege that uh, the pilot later falsely claimed to a Department of Transportation agent that he was only a social drinker and only had a few sips of beer during dinner the night before those flights. Uh. You don't get a .132 from a couple of sips of beer the night before. You do not. He admitted as part of this plea deal that for much of his tenure as an airline captain, he was, in fact, an alcoholic. How terrible is that? It's terrible to get behind the wheel of a car and take people's lives into your hands. But when you get behind the the uh, the wheel of Stick. the plane, Yo. hundreds of people... Yeah, I I don't. This is a terrifying thing. Now he had initially minimum, sorry, minimized the seriousness of his alcohol addiction, but he has freely admitted his unlawful conduct and has fully accepted responsibility for his actions. I don't know if you ever get a job again as a pilot. No, I mean definitely not on a commercial airline. I don't know if you if the FAA allows you to keep a pilot's license after that, or you get it back after a certain amount of time or something, but. See, that's my problem with, uh, you know, oh, I'm an alcoholic or whatever, you know, like blaming it on the addiction. I think you can be addicted to something, but you made the decision to go to work that day and get behind that stick. You made that decision. That wasn't your alcoholism that made that decision. Your alcoholism had you have the drinks in the morning or whatever. And and you know what? You could have decided to stay home and call in sick, but you made the call to go to work. Well, and part of it is the the story here doesn't say that there were people who noticed any problem with him. Not saying that he should have done this or that, you know, uh, that maybe he's a high-functioning alcoholic who could hide the fact that he was Sure, I'm sure this isn't the first time he went to work after having drinks. But nobody – I don't know anybody who reported anything like they'd smelled alcohol on his breath or that he looked like – or the plane was weaving back and forth down the runway or anything like that. So in in Baghdad – couple of Iraqi Airways pilots got into some trouble because they got into a fight. They got physically into a fight at 37,000 feet flying from Iran to Iraq, 157 souls on board. The Iraqi Ministry of Transportation has opened an investigation. Um, they've been ordered to stop flying. The security guards on the plane. Did you know there were security guards on planes? Sure. There? Security guards on the plane had to intervene to break up the fight that passengers say did cause damage to the cockpit. 
they were throwing each other around in there, apparently. Did you see the video of the women fighting in a McDonald's? <laughs> no. Oh, it's excellent. Anyway, that's what I uh, that's what I had visualized happening in the cockpit. Possible. Are you still looking at the menu I'm, of HQs? I'm just again. I'm just keeping my. Did options you bring open. lunch to work today? Do you need food? What's I, going on? I did not bring lunch to work. But are you, are you off the food? But, but yeah, I'm I'm giving up food. That's my diet. No food. Um, buffalo cauliflower is on the mem- menu. Oh, those are good. Shishito peppers and cracklins. Mm. Uh, Brussels sprouts. If you can, if you can do Brussels sprouts, you're good. Cheese curds, marinated white cheddar cheese curds coated in herb bread crumbs served with house made marinara mm, sauce. Smells like Wisconsin. Mac and cheese balls. Yes. Elbow macaroni, three cheeses, crumbled bacon served with barbecue ring. I think we ate that last time. You can't go now. We still have two hours of the show to continue, and then you can go down there. Uh, And they have something akin to a charcuterie plate without the meat called a cheese platter. (laughs) That's what that would be called. Uh, It's five gourmet cheeses, grapes, sliced apples, strawberries, candied pecans, crostini bread, fig jam. You love fig jam. I'm not a huge fan of fig jam. I know. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a fan uh, of the black and blue sprouts. burger, the smashed burger. What's the black and blue burger? They punch you in the face with it. Freshly ground gourmet beef patty served with port caramelized onions. Stop arugula. it. Um, Stop it with the caramelized you. onions. Just saying. We're going to be live at HQ Gastropub in Huntington Beach tomorrow along PCH. An opportunity for you to come out, watch the show for our latest news and brews. We have some special guests we're going to be stopping by. We also have some gifts, et cetera. That we can uh, maybe hand out to you. You've got to come. You've got to come hang out with us. We do not want a repeat of the birthday party that wasn't from 1982 when the flood washed away Gary's birthdays, birthday wishes and dreams. I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your mind here. You're a man named Dennis. You're a fan of bacon. Made him a cake. You're a fan of bacon. Yeah. HQ Gastropub has the plus five bacon burger. Tell me more. Ground gourmet beef patty served with. Smokehouse bacon pork belly, house-made bacon jam, bacon mostarda, bacon cheddar cheese, butter, lettuce, tomatoes, and bacon vinaigrette on a toasted brioche. Bacon vinaigrette. I've never seen that look on your face before. This this is me wooing, wishing, wooing the day. Ruing the day that I, <laughs> that I I didn't bring my lunch. Okay. Uh, Coming up next, it is noon, which means we get you caught up on everything everyone's talking about everywhere. Right here on Gary and Shannon. going on today the latest out of greece greek authorities say they have serious indications that wildfire that exploded near athens killed at least 82 people was set deliberately it was an amazing story uh we are at the bottom of the hour going to tell you more about what's going on with the deadline today to have all those families reunited that were the uh, families that were separated at the border the deadline comes in a few hours also the white house 
apparently barring a specific CNN correspondent from an open press event. The White House came out today. Bill Shine specifically, the new head of the communications office, said, uh, I didn't use the word ban, which is a terrifying thing that if you're going to if you're going to mince words about this whole thing. Wall Street Journal is reporting that the Trump organization's finance chief has been subpoenaed. In connection with the Michael Cohen investigation, tentacles keep spreading there. Hey, what else is going on? Time for What's Happening. I know that you're looking at the cocktails at HQ Gastropub uh, and and what they, they can do there, but that doesn't mean you get to be drunk right now. Just priming the pump. Some mandatory evacuation orders have been lifted at the uh, Cranston Fire there in the San Bernardino National Forest. Uh, Evacuation orders have been lifted for Twin Pines, Silent Valley RV Club, Poppet Flats, and Pine Cove. You need valid ID to get back into your home. This is a fire that's burned 4,700 acres. It's only 5% contained, an absolute monster. And we knew it was going to be a monster when it took off, like a furious takeoff yesterday. There is somebody who's been arrested for tossing flares into the brush. 32-year-old guy from Temecula, a guy named Brandon McGlover, arrested, booked on five counts for allegedly igniting several of these fires, including this largest one. Bail set at a million dollars. Should have been a billion. That's all. Andre Ethier is retiring. Andre Ethier played all 12 years with the L.A. Dodgers. Huge fan favorite. He is retiring from baseball. One of the rare things, one of the very, very rare guys who was able to play for that long and stay with one team. He became a free agent last fall, and nobody signed him. The Dodgers acquired Ethier from Oakland in December 2005 for Milton Bradley and Antonio Perez. He had 14 walk-off RBIs, the second most in Dodger history behind Dusty Baker, 16. And he went out on top, I guess you could say. I mean, his last at-bat was a, was a pinch-hit single in Game 7 of the World Series last year. So, granted, they didn't win, but but that's a nice way Hashtag to Hashtag you, Darvish. <laughs> uh, bad news out of Arizona. State trooper was killed, another wounded. This was a rookie officer who was in training, and this guy was able to get a gun away from one of these troopers. Shot and killed Trooper Tyler Edenoffer. Just graduated from State Trooper Academy in May. Wow. Uh, Also, a 17-year veteran of the Milwaukee Police Department shot dead in the line of duty yesterday. Left behind a wife and three kids. Uh, About 5 o'clock, the officer, a member of the Police Department Special Investigation Division, checked on a suspect wanted on drug and gun violations. uh, And that's when the 52-year-old officer was struck and killed. The suspect was not shot. He was taken into custody. A weapon was recovered. But the city of uh, Milwaukee is in mourning today. Shares of Facebook, I'm sure you've seen this, plunged more than 19% in early trading today. This is because we are seeing signs that Facebook's user and revenue growth are significantly slowing down. People are jumping over to Instagram, not as much on Facebook anymore. The stock dropped. To its lowest levels in nearly three months, wiped out more than $110 billion in market capitalization for Facebook. Just like that. Uh, and they don't have very much time to make any of this back, but between $110 and $120 billion in market value. Mark Zuckerberg's net worth excuse me, plummeted about $16 billion. Oh, well, I mean, great. He cleans out his couch cushions and he makes that back.
Uh, investigators in Iowa are looking into the disappearance of a 20-year-old rising sophomore at University of Iowa. She went jogging back on July 18th in her hometown of Brooklyn, Iowa, and never returned. She was reported missing the next day, and now they're saying they're looking at her digital footprint, including the Fitbit that she was wearing, to see if they can find out where she is. The boyfriend says she never takes off her Fitbit. She uses it for her sleep tracker and for all her runs. Says he last saw his girlfriend on July 16th. The next day, he went for his job at a construction agency, a construction company, and she stayed at his house alone and watched the dogs and then went for an evening run. That sounds a little fishy to me. You know who sounds? That sounds uh, shades of Lacey Peterson right there. Uh, the boyfriend, I think. And the boyfriend has a brother as well. Mm-hmm. It may have been the boyfriend's brother that was she was watching the dogs for, or something like that. They, there is something very, very hinky there. Oh, my. Can I get a warning next time you yeah. just put this in the you pile? Know what, Nicholas! Nick, Nick, again, we are not John and Ken. This is unexpected. Oh, I had to give you the full handle effect. this kind of facial devastation. Oh, oh, dang it. That one wasn't in color. Sorry. London, Kentucky, right? Yes. London, Kentucky guy. Oh, my gosh. You gotta see this. You gotta see this mugshot. Go to kfiam640.com. We gotta get him to cunning dental. Oh my gosh, that'd be he would be perfect. Although, and I know as big a heart as Doctor Cunning has, I'm not sure he would find it in his heart to help this this because this guy took his shirt off and tried to fight a sheriff's deputy. Oh, you can't do that. But when your mouth is a mess, you're gonna act out sometimes. This guy's charged with two counts of third-degree assault on a police officer, public intoxication, resisting arrest, disorderly conduct for his mouth, and menacing. Menacing. Mm. Hey, uh, good news is we're going to be out tomorrow for our next news and brews at HQ Gastropub in Huntington Beach. And I just showed Shannon on Google Maps the view that you have looking out the windows across PCH at the beach at HQ Gastropub. (laughs) Bless you, allergic. And... It's phenomenal how you are so lucky to live in Southern California. Come on. Tomorrow we're going to be doing the show live from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. And we'd love it if you would come on out and join us. We have some special guests who are going to be showing up, some special gifts. Maybe if, you, uh, if you're nice enough to us and uh, you say nice things to Shannon and give her a hug, maybe she'll give you something in return. It was when we were in Huntington Beach last year that you allowed people to grab a handful of your bottom. Not a hand, not not people. Don't say it like there were multiples. There was at least one person who grabbed a handful of Hoffman. Yes. Handful of Hoffman. Yes. By the way, a quick update. The boyfriend of that missing college student is now a suspect. Oh, who would have thought? We did. Oh. We thought. We just did. We just totally thought that. We'll come back and tell you why you're not too old for a tattoo. Are you going to get a tattoo tomorrow? Gary and Shannon will continue.
Gary and Shannon. It's Thursday, July 26th, also known as the day before our next news and brews. Tomorrow, HQ Gastropub in Huntington Beach. Keeping our eye on the big stories, House Speaker Paul Ryan saying he's not supporting this effort by a group of conservative Republicans to impeach Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. Of course, the guy who's overseeing that special counsel Trump-Russia investigation. We'll tell you all the latest coming up. At the bottom of the hour when we turn our eyes to Washington in Swamp Watch. Firefight is still definitely a thing today. The Cranston fire burning in the uh, San Bernardino National Forest. 4,700 acres, 5% containment. Still a few thousand people out of their homes. And they have arrested a guy they believe started that and at least four other fires yesterday in that area. We've had fire crews, strike teams coming in from Northern California to help with this fire to give the guys that were on the fire lines all day a break. Because you've got to imagine, more so than usual, it's not healthy to be out there for for too many hours oh, with that kind of heat. 110 outside. It was 110 in Hemet yesterday. So you can give you an idea. Even it is a little bit cooler up in the mountains, but not cool enough that it's a relief or anything. Yeah, San Francisco, San Mateo, Marin, Contra, uh, Contra Costa, Santa Clara all sent strike teams. And now they're on the front lines there at the fire in the San Bernardino National Forest. Okay, so uh, we are living in the golden age of tattoos. Uh, is that is right? What, is what Brennan Kilbane writes in the uh, Wall Street Journal. It, it's a little fascinating because... This has been sort of a, uh, a topic in my house as of late because there was – my son's 18, and he's got a bunch of buddies who are who are who uh, have tattoos. And we've kept – we kept reminding him, like, hey, you're 18. You do what you want. If you want a tattoo, you get a tattoo. I just don't want you to get something stupid. Do you need Aunt Shannon to come over and put on a tutorial about tattoos you get when you're 18 <laughs> and 19 and how that's a bad idea? No, because I think every – like, we've all – we all have friends that have – that – have made mistakes when it comes to tattoos. But does he know about them? Oh, yeah, I told him about okay. I showed him the Instagram photo of your bad tattoo. Oh, good. Um, as an attempt to be like, you know, just be careful what you get because in a couple of years you might not be a fan of insert name of thing that you had tattooed on your body here. Uh, one example is uh, this guy, uh, David White. David White was a, is a lawyer now. He got a tattoo at the age of 18 that was the fraction two-thirds, Right. Because, for one thing, if you if you get a tattoo that doesn't like it, it's not your mom's name or like a like a, the face of Elvis or something or mm. the 49ers logo. I mean, if it's not clear what it is, you're begging someone to ask you what it is. So he gets the fraction two thirds tattooed on him, so that people will go, uh, "Hey, what does that mean?" And he said. It's an economic commentary which referenced a World Bank study about the number of people who live below the poverty line. I was a class warrior at the time. I don't like him. (laughs) Well, I don't like 18-year-old him, but more than a decade later, he had another artist freestyle a crescent within a circle similar to uh, to that used to mark the chapters in David Foster Wallace's Infinite Jest. No, no. When people try to make themselves, look at how interesting I am. Look at how interesting I am from my tattoos. It's a little bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. I, w- I don't have any tattoos. I would Not t- yet. I would totally get a tattoo. What would it be? But I don't know, but it wouldn't be something like an animal head or, you a, think w- or a face or something. I would ha- it would have to be something that I have lived for, that I, in my 45 years of wisdom, have determined that I want my life to stand for. I want to be How about remembered this? for something. What? How about this? Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Love it. Not my statement. No. Seize the day. 
Also not my Stop statement. stopping yourself. That is not a thing that will ever be tattooed on anyone's body. But if it was like, I would get my wife's name or my wife and kids. Oh, you should totally or... get Shannon tattooed. What do you mean? The name Shannon. Oh, I thought you meant like Your get her tattooed. Name. I would totally do that. Think about how much fun that would be. I guarantee you. In fact, I think she's going to be in here before the end of the show. You can ask her. I think she would shake her head. I'm going to guess she would shake her head on and say, no. Yeah, my husband has talked about getting a tattoo for a very long time, and I don't like it because I don't think any, I don't want anything to change on him. Like, I don't, I just, I don't, I just think that you're fine the way that God made you, and I don't think that you need to ink it up. Ink it up. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. If it's not a place that you're going to see it all the time, like if it's, if it's on a shoulder right. or like on the back, Way right. over here, you're not going to see that all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, just a nice reminder. Like maybe if, you could do your family crest. I could just do like a family portrait on my entire back. Oh, that would be cool. That would be very cool. Nice Ooh, shading. I could get the. I could get my dog's head. No, I'm vetoing that. You're not getting Fergus on your back. I think the biggest, the biggest um, advice. To come out of this article from the Wall Street Journal, you're not too old for a tattoo, comes from Nick Worcester. He is the fashion director of a Dallas store called 4510. And he said, hey, listen, tattoos can be fine, a great fashion accessory that can work with a T-shirt and a pair of jeans. A tattoo is a perfect third piece. But Mm -hmm. he says, listen, what might be true for you today may not be true for you Tomorrow. Like Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez. He got her face tattooed on his arm. Absolutely. It's not true today. He's with the other girl, the oh, Baldwin. Would you do this? I've seen this before. I have friends who the know. The wedding ring? Just, uh, in fact, his wife's initials are right there on that knuckle. On where his wedding, wedding ring would I normally go. I feel like go. that's a little bit ownership. Like a little creepy. My wife has a G. Yeah, but that it doesn't mean Gary. I thought she said it does. Well, she says it now that it does, but that, that wasn't the original. That guy, Nick, I think it was. That guy, Nick Worcester, says he got his first tattoo in 1992, which was just the simple mom on his arm, and said that he put it on his arm specifically because if he's properly addressed, nobody sees it. And there's always a concern that somebody's going to make a mistake and put like a snake around their neck or something, something you can't hide from your... Prospective employers, Blake. Also, a tattoo Blake's guy. tattoos are very tasteful. I like and them. and pretty. almost invisible. Like you can't right see any now, of them. yeah. Uh, I can see the one peeking out of your sleeve. Is that? No, you can't. No. Yeah, I guess you're right. Huh. No, no, don't take your pants off. Why do you always Blake, have to take geez. your clothes off, Blake? We I know what we that don't, one is. This is at your mom's house. All right, keep your clothes I on. I was showing you how safe you are from. Good the ink. Lord in heaven. We're going to be live tomorrow at HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach for our next News and Brews, where you get to come on out and have some of the, whatever that black and blue burger was, or the top five, ba- what was that? Blake, is Pammy going to be out there tomorrow? Yeah, my mom, my dad, my sister, oh, their awesome. friends, all uh, of them. They're the best. It'll be like, family it'll be like a me. family reunion. No, yeah. Not you? No. Top, the, five, the plus five bacon burger. With the bacon pork belly, the house-made bacon jam, the bacon mustard,a the bacon cheddar cheese, the butter lettuce, the tomatoes, and the bacon vinaigrette. Oh, your diet's going to be out the window. Diet? 
<clears throat> anyway, tomorrow live, we're going to do the show from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. We just got word that we have a couple of more special guests who are going to be out there, as a matter of fact. So we would love it if you would come on out and spend the uh, first part of your weekend with us. Kick off the weekend right. It's uh, going to be an absolutely beautiful, beautiful day tomorrow in Huntington Beach. And we would love it if you would come on out and hang out with us. It really is going to be a great time. And I- I'm just trying to weigh if we should bring uh, Lupe or Gladys or the other unicorns. And I'm supposed to put all that in my car? Yeah, you're, you're running into some... Some, Some logistical problems. Yeah. I think Nick's car is not. I big could put enough. Lupe in the passenger seat. Right. Um, hey, and then you get to ride in the carpool lane. There, uh, hey. Does you that count? Um, I, oh, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will uh, bring Lupe. Honest, officer, this, uh, this <laughs> My paper mache. Pinata. How many pinatas equals a person? All the crazy <laughs> Because we have two. <laughs> when we come back, we'll get into Swamp Watch and talk about what's going on in, uh, in Washington, D.C. <laughs> Did you guys know that Betsy DeVos has. A $40 million yacht. Doesn't she have like seven more, too? At least. That's ridiculous. Uh, but that's part of uh, what we're going to get into when we get into Swamp Watch. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. I'm going to leave it all out there dry. I'm going to leave it all out there. I'm going to leave it all out there dry. Gary and Shannon, looks like we made it through the uh, worst of the heat wave. A bunch of records were set yesterday. Woodland Hills and Palmdale both set records at 109. Palm Springs came in at 119. Thermal at 122. Should see temperatures at least a few degrees cooler today. Uh, but that's not making things a whole lot easier on the fire lines. The Ferguson fire, the one near Yosemite, has burned more than 43,000 acres uh, and it's uh, only about 27% contained. The Cranston fire burning up near Idlewild Mountain Center is about 4,700 acres and about 5% containment. But I think by later this afternoon, that could grow quite a bit, actually. The Freedom Caucus is trying to show some brass cojones. Eleven House Republicans have introduced a resolution to impeach the number two official at the Justice Department. Uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, they've accused him of withholding documents and being insufficiently transparent in his handling of the Russia investigation led by Special Counsel Bob Mueller. That kicks off our Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Now, one of the guys who's in charge of this, North Carolina Congressman Mark Meadows, uh, says he talks to the president frequently, often defends him to some of his colleagues there in the House. He said this morning that he's not going to force an immediate vote on this impeachment resolution, even though he could he could do just that. He could use some of these procedural maneuvers to do so. Paul Um, Ryan doesn't like it. Well, and the thing is, Paul Ryan doesn't like it. This is never going to happen. This is not something that... They leave today for a five-week vacation. It's about ceremony, really. It's all uh, just for show. It's a it's an empty threat, I think, is what it is. Jim Jordan, other Republicans who introduced this resolution, have criticized Rod Rosenstein and the Justice Department because they say that they're not being responsive enough because there are uh, House committees that have been requesting documents 
related to the beginning of the Mueller investigation. And, and this is why I think they did this. Uh, Steve Scalise agrees, too. He said that this is all about getting leverage, getting the Justice Department to provide Congress with more documents related to the Russia investigation. The five articles charge Rosenstein of high crimes and misdemeanors, which we know is the, uh, the for impeachment, is the criteria. For failing to produce information to the committees, even though the department has already provided lawmakers with more than 800,000 documents and signing off on what some Republicans say was improper surveillance of a Trump advisor, that being Carter Page. And we saw that in the um, the FBI, sorry, the FISA warrant application that was put out last week. Jeff Sessions, by the way, has talked confidently about Rosenstein saying that uh, my deputy is highly capable and I have the highest confidence in him. Again, this is never going to happen. This is stupid political theater, and this is a waste of their time. There was a, uh, a CNN correspondent who was barred from attending an open press event at the White House yesterday. Caitlin Collins uh, and CNN say that the White House denied her access to the Rose Garden event with the European Commission president that we were watching yesterday because there were questions in an earlier event that they found inappropriate. She has been with CNN or had been with CNN and was serving as a representative of TV networks during a pool spray in the Oval Office. Pool spray, by the way, is just where you have a bunch of reporters that are representing. In oftentimes, one TV will reporter will represent all of the TV stations, one radio, one print, one photographer, that sort of thing. And the event that she was in the Oval Office was just the president with the European Commission president, and she started shouting questions at the president. And, I mean, both of them, but shouting questions, including some of those that were focused on Michael Cohen. Yesterday morning, the big headline was the tape that had been released that had the conversation between Michael Cohen and Donald Trump. So uh, CNN, um, sorry, Caitlin Collins starts asking these questions and then is ushered out of the room. The president doesn't answer anybody. And she said she was later reprimanded by Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Bill Shine and told she wasn't allowed to go to the Rose Garden event. CNN has released a statement objecting to the move, of course, calling it retaliatory in nature and not indicative of an open and free press, saying just because the White House is uncomfortable with a question regarding the news of the day doesn't mean the question isn't relevant and should not be asked. A White House Correspondents Association also issued pretty harshly worded statement condemning the what they call the White House's misguided and inappropriate decision today to bar one of our members from an open press event. And by the way, every other network is coming to the defense of Caitlin Collins. She has yeah. every right to ask those questions, even in that environment. It, I mean, it sounds rude when you've got a couple dozen reporters all shouting questions at the leader of the free world and the European Commission president. That's the way they've always done things. Uh, if her voice was the loudest and it was awkward conversations or awkward questions about topics they didn't want to talk about, all of the other networks, Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS, they've all put out statements today that have said we absolutely stand in solidarity with CNN for the right to full access for our journalists as part of a free and unfettered press. Kind of a thrown together news conference yesterday between the president and the European uh, president, the European Union Commission. Commission president, um, saying that they're pulling back from the idea over a trade war over cars, essentially. Um, the agreement was kind of vague, but, but it looks like 
we've averted whatever could have been an auto trade war. Yeah, they were just saying, I mean, the president came out basically and just said that uh, we're successful and we're going to back off of stuff. But you notice they didn't take any questions yesterday no. after that Rose Garden No, they statement. didn't want to hammer down any details. It was just kind of like a, one of those press conferences where everything's going to be fine. It's OK. No trade war. Right. Goodbye. Um, but Trump did throw in there that the EU had agreed to buy a lot of soybeans because the soybean farmers have been hurt by the tariff situation. And, right. and earlier in the week, of course, the Ag Department set aside $12 billion, more than $12 billion to help farmers. But you can tell that that soybean farmer issue hit the president hard or it's something he's zeroing in on because he's throwing the soybeans around like, uh, you know, Marshawn Lynch and Skittles. Throwing it into a lot of different comments, a lot of different tweets. Okay. I mean, football season hasn't even started yet. It could be worse. That was my first completely unnecessary reference to the NFL all day. Uh, reminder tomorrow at our next News and Brews, we're going to be at HQ Gastropub in Huntington Beach. A great opportunity to, to slough off the dirt of the week. Last time we were in Huntington Beach, a woman grabbed a handful of your bottom, and I believe she stuck around to grab a handful of Jim Kelly's Bottom Jim Kelly, of course, the former Buffalo Bills quarterback. Well, if I remember, what can I say? I'm in the presence of a Hall of Famer. Yeah. (laughs) HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach, right there on PCH. How many Super Bowls did he lose? Four. He lost all four of those. Yeah, I think so. Didn't he? Oh boy, pretty certain. Um, we're going to be there. It's going to be 170 degrees today. It's probably going to be 165 tomorrow. So the best place for you to be is at the beach tomorrow with us at HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. Special guests, special gifts, and a lot of fun. You're right. He lost all four of those. When we come back, the latest on the Betsy DeVos family yacht untying mystery. I wonder whose bottom she enjoyed more. Did you get that, Blake? You got that clean, right? Okay. Gary and Shannon will continue just a moment. Do you turn it up? Do you sing along every time you hear that song? Like we did then. Like we did when. Do you close your eyes? Gary and Shannon, some good news out there. In the Cranston Fire area, there are some evacuation orders that have been lifted. Uh, Twin Pines, Silent Valley RV Club, Poppet Flats, Pine Cove. This fire that exploded yesterday has burned more than 4,700 acres. 5% containment right now. We will go live to Idlewild coming up next after after Julie's news at the top of the hour. We're also uh, following the story uh, out of the the heat wave that we've seen for this week. We saw some record temperatures set yesterday. The good news is looks like looks like yesterday was the warmest of all the days this week. So we can be thankful for that. Uh, Betsy DeVos, secretary of the Department of Education, is loaded. We've known this. I mean, more this is, money than God. She, uh, her, her dad uh, founded an automobile parts supplier corporation, Prince Corporation, which sold to Johnson Controls about 20 years ago for $1.3 billion and some loose change that they found in the, uh, in the, I guess, glove box or something. She has 10 luxury yachts. I have a question. You, yes, the blonde. From, from, the, from the poor people of the world section. Got it. What does one need 10 yachts for? Isn't one yacht enough? 
Or do you want to, like, position them all around the globe? Is that what's going on here? Well, I guess. Because let me ask you this. Because if I if if you had, you and your husband have a $5 million yacht, not a $40 oh million, just a modest $5 million yacht, where do you moor this yacht? I don't know enough about yachting to tell you. Pick a place around the world. Pick I don't know how much it costs to. I guess no, I'm no, not worried no, no. about cost. You're just looking location, okay. location, location. Uh, maybe the Mediterranean. Beautiful. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. Five million dollar yacht in the um, Mediterranean. Uh, you know the French Riviera. Hers was hers was on Lake Erie. In Ohio. Yeah, I don't. Are you the biggest apple of Ohio if you've got a $40 million yacht on Lake Erie? Or is that commonplace? I don't know enough about uh, Lake Erie. Or maybe, maybe... I know that song, the Erie Canal. That's a fun one. Maybe it's that you buy it because it's there and you have no plans of taking it anywhere else. $40 million. Here's the thing. Yacht. Not that she's an apple or that she doesn't deserve them. I mean, this is all family money, so this is. I mean, I don't think do anybody you... deserves that kind of money. Well, you don't need it. Yeah, I guess that's a better, definitely. Yeah. You definitely don't need a forty million dollar yacht. The thing is, somebody unmoored this thing and it was set adrift over the weekend. Suffered about ten thousand dollars worth of damage. Police are investigating it as an act of vandalism, and of course, they're reviewing surveillance video to find out who may have untied this boat. It's one of 10 vessels owned by the DeVos family. Um, uh, According to her public disclosure form, Betsy DeVos earned... uh, Can I do... uh, Where'd Blake go? Blake might be sleeping. I was going to do just a quick... Do you want me to do gas go around noise? Yeah, could you do that? Do, 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 there he is. Do, do, yeah, go do me a quick, uh, quick gas do, go around, Blake, because this is an important question. Do, do, I don't do. think we have the ability to wrap our heads around how much money Betsy DeVos. Okay, remember, her father owned this automobile parts supplier that was sold for a billion three. Mm-hmm. Uh, her husband is an heir to the Amway fame, uh, to the Amway, Amway fortune. So she got a lot of money, Blake. Between January of 2016 and spring of 2017, so just a little over a year. Yes. How much money did she earn? Not how much is she worth. How much money did did she earn? earn? About 15 months. About 15 months. And we're not talking about interest and some account. No, we're just talking about just checks getting handed to her. No, no, this would be income, so it would be earned off of investments, et cetera. But but just how much did she earn over 15 months? We're talking Betsy DeVos. Secretary of Education. 15 months. $13.6 million. Okay. Nick, how much money did Betsy DeVos earn January 2016, spring of 2017? Let's go with $36.2 million. $36 million. Shannon. I already read the answer. Sorry. She earned somewhere between, between $54 million and $135 million. I don't even... That's a When number. you don't... And I don't... I mean, these are financial disclosure forms, so they probably just give you a random, you know, pretty wide swath there. But if you can earn that much that you don't know the difference between 55, $54 million and $135 million, that's a good year. Like, that's a good, strong earning year. No wonder she has 10 yachts. I don't want to hear about Betsy DeVos's yachts anymore. (laughs) I'm 
decided. Wow, that I've I just never feel like seen that's a excessive. jealousy streak out of I you. I feel like it's excessive. It is excessive. I mean, she could give one to the show. Wouldn't you like a, a gas show yacht? Not for forty million. I would. No, I mean, do... if she gave it to us to borrow, gratis. Uh, well, I I still think that would be a lot of a trust in us that she doesn't. She has no reason to trust us. Thank you for applying logic to my hypothetical. The Trump administration <laughs> has ordered 147 new F-35 Lightning Stealth fighter jets. Um, we're ordering 157. This is what he said at the National Convention of uh, VFW the other day. This is great. We're ordering 147 new F-35 Lightning fighters. This is an incredible plane. It's stealth. You can't see it. He said this. So when I talk to people from the other side... They're trying to order our plane. They like the fact that you can't see it. The president said he asked these people from the other side uh, how they thought their own military aircraft would fare in a battle with the U.S. jet. He says, I I said, how would it do in battle with your plane? And they say, well, we have one problem. We can't see your plane. That's a big problem. Stealth. Super stealth. Super stealth. The best in the world. I didn't know it was, I didn't realize we'd reached the level of super stealth yet. Mm-hmm. Um, just to be clear, stealth technology does make it difficult, but not impossible for radar to detect. Oh, and it doesn't make them invisible. Just in terms of if you are thinking that you're driving next to an F-35 stealth fighter on the freeway, just because you can't see it. We could get, just get like a, a, a power boat and put it in Lake Arrowhead. If she wanted to contribute that to the show. We are going to be live. She might own something on Lake Arrowhead. We are going to be live tomorrow at HQ Gastropub in Huntington Beach for our next News and Bruce. And love it if you would come on out. Lunch, uh, a beer, an afternoon. Just start your weekend with us. Tomorrow we'll be doing the show from 10 o'clock until 2 p.m. And you get to watch how the sausage is made. I would not compare the show to sausage making. Have you listened today? No. Gary no, I have not. <laughs> we'll, continue. we'll get an update on the, the fire burning uh, in the Idlewild Mountain Center area coming up in just a couple minutes on Gary and Shannon. This Thursday, July 26th, one of the stories we've been following, the White House says is it didn't actually ban a CNN reporter from that Rose Garden event yesterday between the president and the president of the European Commission because they didn't use the word ban. They just disinvited him. Her, sorry. Just disinvited her. So they're pushing back on that allegation. Looks like a uh, quarter acre brush fire burning now near the southbound 57 at Temple in the Pomona area. Reports from the scene, according to uh, uh, the Associated Press, are that crews have stopped the forward progress of that fire. So that's good news. It is a battle up there in the San Bernardino National Forest. This is the fire that blew up yesterday near Idlewild. 3,000 people told to get out. I believe we're at 40, at least 4,700 acres burned. John Newman is the chief operating officer up at the Idlewild Arts Academy and uh, is joining us on the phone to tell us what uh, what's going on up there, John. 
Yeah, hi, good afternoon. Well, some sense of relief, to be honest with you, because everybody has been safely evacuated, at least um, those from the Idlewild Arts Campus and other camps that I'm aware of, uh, and those who were in immediate danger. Uh, the fire does appear to be burning east of the town of Idlewild, and uh, interestingly, in the direction of the mountain fire, which is actually um, an auspicious thing because it's burning towards what we call the scar uh, of that uh, massive fire from 2013. So there's very little fuel where it's heading, and we hope that uh, that will tamp it down. Seems like there was pretty little notice, short time to get out yesterday. Yeah, that's what made it so severe. You know, when we practice our evacuation and other emergency preparedness drills, we count on having at least a little bit of time. Uh, But because of the proximity of the origin of the fire to the campus, and I'm speaking, you know, sort of within my own jurisdiction at Idlewild Arts, we were really up against it. The fire broke out about 12.15, and by 12.30, we knew we had to go. Uh, so it was terrifying. And, yes, so whereas we would normally plan on having at least a couple of hours, we knew that we were probably looking at inside of an hour that we needed to get off that mountain. We're talking with John Newman, chief operating officer at the Idlewild Arts Academy, had to be evacuated yesterday. There were uh, reports that there were problems with uh, electricity that would power cell towers and that uh, communication was very difficult yesterday. Did you find that too? Yes, absolutely. And naturally, SoCal Edison shut down power as an emergency precaution, but I think that the fire was also encroaching upon some uh, cell tower and other um, communications infrastructure. So I don't have updated information on that, but you are right that that is an ongoing concern. What did you take with you? Did you have time to pack up things that that mean a lot to you? Well, again, because we had so little time, um, normally we would have allowed the the campers, for example, to grab a bag of belongings. Um, Of course, they're short-term residents. They're camping for a week or two at a time. But from a personal standpoint, it's interesting you should ask, because I just posted a a Facebook image of uh, three things that my wife was able to grab from our home, which was in absolutely, uh, you know, a a dire position along the West Ridge in Idlewild, which, uh, along with our go bag uh, containing important documents, she grabbed one painting off the wall and our two daughters' uh, teddy bears, Pink Bear and Teddy. That was it. That's all she had time to grab. Aww. So, so what do you do? I mean, you you just got to sit and wait. What what? Uh, how are you getting information? Well, we have a fairly robust communications protocol in place at Idlewild Arts. You know, using various social media outlets and cell phone technology and email and, and so forth. I'm in direct communication with Chief Patrick Wright at the Idlewild Fire Protection uh, District. So, you know, just we'll, the types of means of communications that are that are pretty conventional. But you're right; there's uncertainty involved, and we're just doing our best to. Keep each other informed as we learn. Uh, but the social media outlets are, are really critically important, you know, uh, times like this, whereas you tend to think of them as being for, you know, entertainment and recreational purposes at times like this, they can be really key resources. Well, John, we wish you, uh, we wish you luck. I hope you get back in there very soon. I appreciate it. Thanks for your good thoughts. You bet. John Newman there, Chief Operating Officer at the Idlewild Arts Academy, one of the uh, Many people that had to be evacuated in uh, ahead of the Cranston fire. Now, there's another one that just popped up a couple of hours ago. Uh, Julie mentioned this just a second ago as well, about a 15-acre fire, moderate rate of spread, no evacuations or injuries because this one is along Highway 74 near Ribbonwood Drive if you live out near Pinion. So uh, there's not a whole lot out there in terms of uh, potential structures that would be threatened. 
But, man, they want to get a handle on these things quickly because uh, the conditions today are not a whole lot better than they were yesterday. Firefighters are said to be making slow uh, progress, but progress in battling the fire that's burning in that super steep terrain near the edge of Yosemite National Park. Cal Fire says the fire has burned more than 43,000 acres, and it's about 27 percent contained. We told you yesterday that the valley there, Yosemite Valley and some uh, Wawona areas, are closed to visitors. So they're trying right now, a team of fire crews right now are trying to set up a perimeter to protect that grove of giant sequoias. Oh, wow. That would just be heartbreaking if we lost those. But it looks like it's still kind of further away from them at this point. We'll keep an eye on these uh, fires, and if anything happens in the next few minutes, we'll definitely let you know. We uh, we have a big announcement, though. Tomorrow is our next News and Brews. We're going to be live at HQ Gastropub in Huntington Beach, which is right there on PCH, right across from uh, the beach. It's an absolute wonderful view, especially if you've had to deal with fires or smoke or a triple-digit heat. Yeah, or this just the a, valleys. <laughs> or, or traffic, anything this week. This is an excuse for you to get out there and start your weekend early with us. We're going to be doing the show live, so we start right at 10 o'clock and go all the way through 2 o'clock, and you get to see everybody uh, involved with the show, except for Blake, who doesn't want to go. But we may have Blake's some Blake's whole close, family will be there, though. We have some close relatives that you can kind of you can kind of estimate what Blake would look like yeah. if you haven't seen well, him Blake before. Blake looks a lot like his, his dad and his brother. Is your brother going to be there? No, I look a lot like my sister, too, though. Okay. Oh. Yeah, pretty pretty strong familial resemblance. <laughs> Family resemblance. It's called genetics, Blake. Yeah, it's ours genetic. work well. Yes, they do. They do very well. So anyway, that's tomorrow live at HQ Gastropub in Huntington Beach, and we'd love it if you'd come on out and say hi. Coming up next, Tech Talk. We'll have all the latest how to make free phone calls, even on your tablet. And hearing aids. It's not your father's hearing aid anymore. What? It's yours. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon. On this Thursday, it's July 26. We've... uh, just talked with uh, John Newman, who was uh, one of the many that had to be evacuated out of the way of the Cranston fire, burning 4,700 acres now. It's about 5% contained, and this is up in the San Bernardino National Forest up near Idlewild. They have arrested a guy. A guy from Temecula, in fact, was picked up yesterday, not long after this fire was started, because he was seen starting the fire. That and at least four others that were seen, he was seen starting in that area. We told you about the deadly wildfire in Greece outside of Athens that people just did not have time to get away from. Many of them, hundreds of them running into the water to escape the flames and some people drowning because of it. Uh, the news this afternoon is that it's looking more and more like that was arson as well. 84 people killed. Some of the uh, House Republicans had introduced uh, articles of impeachment against the former, sorry, not the former, the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, uh, or Rosenstein, however he says his name. I want to pay him the most respect. Uh, but because he is not turning over documents, they say, fast enough, and that may be uh, slowing down their investigation into the beginnings of the Russia investigation. But it is Thursday, one twenty, which means we meet up with our friend and tech genius, Mark Saltzman. 
The machines are getting smarter. This is Tech Talk, brought to you by Skynet. You can follow Mark uh, on Twitter, Mark with a C underscore Saltzman. You can find a bunch of his stuff. Just search for his name and you'll see all of it come up, including Mark, this new article on how to make free phone calls. Love it. <laughs> yeah, thanks. So if you just can't face another monthly bill and you do want to cut the cord, it's never been easier to do it. There are a couple of catches, but there are ways to make absolutely free phone calls over Wi-Fi uh, so you can ditch your, your landline or maybe even your mobile phone line once and for all. Uh, but, yeah, let's cover the three main options, and then I'll tell you sort of the little catches or caveats for each one. Uh, but, yeah, I got a lot of buzz on this article so far. I'm glad it struck a chord. So the first way to do it are these apps that let you dial any 10-digit phone number in the U.S. or in Canada for free over Wi-Fi. So I don't, I'm not talking about these apps where both of you need to have the same service like Skype or Google Duo or FaceTime. This is as if you had a, a landline outgoing and incoming, and there are a couple of apps that do it. My, the one that I found that worked the best with the fewest ads and the fewest, catch, fewest catches, it's called Talkatone, T-A-L-K-A-T-O-N-E. It's for both Apple and Android. And you, when you sign up, it gives you a 10-digit incoming number, such as a 617 number or a 512 number, depending on where you live, and it gives you a free number. Then you can dial any 10-digit phone number for free over Wi-Fi. And the call quality was decent, um, and you can text for free as well. But if you want to uh, get voicemail and call forwarding and some other bells and whistles, then you will have to pay a small fee. But other than that, or, or calling around outside of the U.S. and Canada, but that's a small price to pay, but completely free. So that app is called Talkatone. The second way to do it, guys, is to call worldwide. So the good news is that you're not restricted to just the U.S. or Canada, but both of you and the people that you're calling have to be on the same platform. So, of course, you're probably familiar with the popular services like a couple I mentioned, Skype, FaceTime, Google Duo, Viber, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, just to name a few. The good news is not only can you call around the world, so long as you're both on that same app for free, but you can also, of course, video call. So that's a nice added benefit. The third way to make a free phone call is using your smart speaker at home, whether it's an Amazon Echo or any of the other Alexa-powered devices or the Google Home family of devices. All you have to say is the wake word and then call, and then you can say a 10-digit number. You can say a phone number that's in your contacts, like say a name, like call John Smith, or you can even call a business by saying, you know, call the Home Depot at the corner of La Cienega and, you know, whatever. You just say that around the intersection and it will call for you. And it, it, there's no incoming calls, but it's free and you don't need a landline or a mobile phone line. It uses the Internet for all of these examples. So those are three ways to make free phone calls. I bet a lot of people don't know that you can use your uh, smart speakers to make phone calls, too. Yeah, so Google was first to add that, um, and it uses uh, – it's kind of like a Google Duo, but just audio only. Uh, they will add Google Video to their smart screens that are coming out, like the one from Lenovo and another from JBL. Amazon already has their own service. Uh, sorry, they have their own smart screen, the Google Echo – sorry, the uh, Amazon Echo Spot 
or, or, or these other little screens, and that lets you make free video calls as well using Amazon's proprietary video service. But otherwise, yeah, you can call any landline using any Echo that you've got, and they added that after Google. But they added it, so that's cool. That is very, very awesome. Uh, we, I, it seems like I always have the one complaint from my kids that our Wi-Fi is bad. It doesn't matter. It's so frustrating when that happens. How how can we fix this? Besides me being on the phone with uh, with my provider for an hour at a time, how can I get better <laughs> Wi-Fi? Yeah, there's a few things you can do. I, I just wrote an article that uh, the, the headline was, Your Wi-Fi Sucks. Here's how to fix it. Uh, so I got right straight to the point. So there's a couple things you can do. The first thing you want to do is make sure that you your ISP is giving you, your Internet service provider is giving you the best service that you're paying for. Because you could have the best modem in the world. You can have like a $1,000 router. It doesn't matter if... Uh, the pipe, if you will, is not fast enough. So you're going to want to call, contact your ISP and say, look, do I have the best possible speeds? And if not, bump me up to them and, and what am I looking at? So that's the first thing you want to do. And then next, yeah, then you want to look at your router. So the first thing, the router is what gives you your wireless connectivity in your home. So make sure it's on the main or top floor of your home. If you have a basement, which I know isn't so common uh, in in the Los Angeles area, then definitely don't keep it there. In other states, that's often where the router is because that's where the cable company puts it into your home. But that unfortunately means really bad Wi-Fi on the main floor and if you have an upstairs. So keep it in the center of your home so it can reach the most, uh, you know, the most uh, places around the place, uh, around your house. You don't want to have it on on the floor, you want to elevate it, so put it on a desk or a table. Keep it central, as I mentioned. Uh, keep it central in the home. Uh, and then if you're still having trouble because maybe it's an older home with concrete walls or it's a larger home, then you want to go with what we've talked about on this show before, which is a, a mesh network. Mesh is a technology where you get often the router, or it can complement your router, but you get the box that you connect to your Internet uh, modem, and then you've got these little pucks, if you will, that you place around the home, and they all talk to one another, and that will give you a broader connection and and a more reliable one. We are living so long now, Mark Saltzman, which means we're going to need more things as we get older, like hearing aids. Uh, But Mm -hmm. these aren't our grandfather's hearing aids. There's, There's new fandangled ones, huh? Yeah, pretty awesome stuff, and and hearing aids can help about 29 million Americans. So uh, uh, no doubt that many of your listeners wear them or may need them. Uh, So I talked to an audiologist in Santa Monica, in fact, it's Dr. Stephen Kirsch. And with his help and some research I did, I wrote an article for USA Today on what's new with hearing aids. And obviously I'm a tech guy, so I focused on a few things. One of them, Bluetooth. So many hearing aids you buy today can wirelessly connect to your phone or connect to your TV so you can hear it better. Sometimes with a TV, you do need a little box, like a little mini middleman, if you will, that's connected to the television. But uh, some of these uh, newer ones can work directly with your, your smartphone. So if somebody calls you, you've got your hearing aids, that turns into a Bluetooth earpiece if you will. So really cool stuff there. The second big innovation is rechargeable batteries. That's a real pain point, having to open up that little door and replacing the battery. So now you drop them into a a little charging station and it uses inductive charging. You don't need to take them out and they're rechargeable. So that's a a huge uh, boost there. And some of these can last up to 36 hours, depending on your usage. Uh, So you're, you're charging them less and they're easier to charge up. The third thing that's happening to hearing aids are apps. 
So by talking to your smartphone and by opening up an app, uh, whether it's the hearing aid company's app or a third-party app, it'll let you do things like boost the volume depending on the environment you're in. You can, um, you know, try to reduce more echo and, and better hear the person you're talking to. There's different settings like a movie theater may be a setting on the app compared to a small restaurant. That's new. And then another innovation is voice assistance. You can now, in some cases, depending on the model, talk to your personal assistant through your hearing aid. So the likes of a Google or a Siri and Amazon coming soon, that's all built into the hearing aids. What's coming next is even cooler. You're going to hear, you're going to find things like uh, like a Babblefish from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, real-time language translation, as well as fitness information uh, captured by the hearing aids, like having a Fitbit in your ear. You don't need to wear anything on your wrist. So there's a real, really cool things coming down the road as well. That is very and, – but there's no app yet to cut down on the earwax on the outside of the – Ew. <laughs> Unfortunately just, for you, Gary, now. Right. Mark, <laughs> thank you. I was hoping for that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Mark. Mark. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Mark Saltzman there. And again, we'll, we'll throw the links up to the uh, articles that he wrote, every one of those articles that we referenced today. So we'll make sure that we throw the links up and you can check them out yourself. I didn't know this was a real thing. Men are actually panicking about their sperm count. Is that is that what's happening with your people? My people? Your species? I'm fine. I no, no, no. I'm I just fine. meant like are more men. Do you guys, are you guys sitting around talking about this? No. Okay, because that's what the not, New York Times says. I don't know anybody who's – no one has mentioned it to me. It's one of the, the stories we will tackle coming up. Uh, tomorrow, HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach. Our next News and Brews will be out there live from 10 until 2. Come on out and say hi. We'll do our strange science stories when we come back. Thursday, July 26th. A reminder, tomorrow we're going to be live at HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach doing the show live for our next News and Brews. Breaking news about that. I get to go. Blake's going. Wait, what happened? Oscar walked in here. He's like, I hope you love me. I worked it out. You get to go. Boom. Who did? Who walked in there? Oscar. Uh Uh-oh. Does he work here? No, he's a volunteer. Why would you say that name when I'm right here? (laughs) I recognize that name. Oscar, huh? Hmm. Okay. Anyway, so Blake's going to be there at HQ Gastro Pub. Uh, one of our many special guests that's going to be there on our behalf. So thank you for that. Uh, it's not looking too great of a show right there. If you start maybe, out with that. maybe some <laughs> gifts as well uh, that we have uh, collected that we'll be handing out. But our top story, some of the things that we've been watching today, looks like our heat wave is over. Yesterday was definitely a record setter in places like Woodland Hills and Palmdale at 109, Palm Springs 119. Paul Ryan talking about that plan by 11 far-right Freedom Caucus Republicans to try to uh, impeach Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. He's now talking about it in a news conference. Paul Ryan saying the reason he doesn't back them is because he doesn't think lawmakers should be so cavalier with the impeachment process. Oh, a cavalier, you said. Good word. Hey, I have a bunch of stories here that are, there's like this one about the leg. What about the sperm? About, and that one, there's water on Mars. What is a summer penis? Oh, my God. Okay, strange science story. Strange science. It's like weird science, but strange. <laughs> No. Blake, can you cut your microphone? <laughs> uh, all 
right, what do you want to start well, with? Well, I would like to start with uh, this report from the New York Times about a growing anxiety for men about their sperm. Is there enough? Is the existing supply satisfactory? Are we men enough? I don't know of anyone who has had that conversation with another man outside of their own doctor. I guess it would potentially be a problem. But, I mean, thankfully I'm on the other side of that hill. I mean, I don't think you need to talk about yourself in connection with this to make it, you know, resonate. Um, Well, of the people, (laughs) never mind. No, but it, it is interesting if, if men are actually talking about this or it's just this one little group of, of people that they studied. Dr. Paul Turek said, as we dive deep into sperm, we find that lifestyle matters most. All right. You know, I'm done with that. Okay. You're the let's one who wanted on. to get let's, into it. Let's move on to summer penises. Again. Okay. Doctors confirm that summer penises do exist. It's a thing. Um, more water. Mm, that has nothing to do with it. Well, Dr. Dudley Danoff says it does. What do you mean? He wrote The Ultimate Guide to Male Sexual Health. And he water? believes that hot temperatures cause blood vessels to widen okay. and swelling. And he says there's a reason people don't take honeymoons to the North Pole. Hmm? Uh, more water apparently has a an effect. On it. I don't understand how that would work, but it's just a matter of the well, body. It's hydration just, like, is everything... key. Hydration is key. Okay, so so drink a lot of water. Yeah. Okay, but it's just going to be warmer anyway, so the blood circulates, tries to cool your body down. What about this part that I just highlighted? What did you just say? Uh, appears to happen the thing, the warm weather causing them to get to my knee. I don't think so, but that's... <laughs> You know what? We're never putting you in charge of these science stories again. Nick chose these stories. That worries me even more, perhaps. I don't just comb the internet for stories it's about in the name um, of sperm sum- anxiety uh, let me, and summer penises. Let me suggest, for those of you who cannot see the video feed of the show today, the moment these two stories crossed our desks, you jumped up. And like a cartoon left a cloud shaped like you as you ran out of the room and ran down the hall to the John and Ken show office and said, guys, guys, I got a couple of penis stories. Well, because when I See, was, I did them for you, Shannon. Thank you. When I was uh, working on the John and Ken show, they would love to get those stories. And so I told them I'd leave them in, in the studio here for, for their show. When we continue our strange science stories, a 12-mile lake hidden somewhere that you would not expect it. And why the woman donated her leg to science. Uh, Nick said that there is a condition where people are addicted to amputations. Oh, yeah. I'd like to dive into that a little bit more. Gary and Shannon will continue just a moment. Those words are words I never expected anyone to say to me. DJ Hazard wrote, Gary, 
Warm water does affect potency because sperm production needs to be in an environment slightly cooler than body temperature. That's why male gonads are outside the body as opposed to ovaries. conflating two stories there. We were talking about water and and summer penis as opposed to... Why are you... Now you're... We're in the middle of our strange science stories. Talk about what's going on. Uh, By the way, some of the headlines, some of the top stories. The president today talking in Granite City, Illinois... Uh, on trade and was talking about how the unemployment rate is expected to tick down just a bit or possibly tick up. Facebook stock collapse has wiped out $119 billion in market value. $119 billion gone. In a day? That's yes. a lot. Uh, and then the, there's also the story about the fires, of course, the Cranston fire burning up in the San Bernardino National Forest. 4,700 acres, 5% containment. There were a few... Uh, a few evacuations that had been lifted, but for the most part, there's still hundreds of people out of their homes in that area. So there was a lady, uh, Tracy, uh, from Fort Collins, Colorado, and her leg was amputated in June of last year. She experienced what many amputees say they experience, and that it's phantom pains for a while after the surgery. She says, the first month, my toes were freezing. And she jokingly said, well, it's because my foot's in a freezer. They are freezing. <laughs> Rather than have that amputated leg burned up at the hospital, she donated it, donated it, donated it mm-hmm. to a search and rescue group. So they use it to train search dogs. Here, chew on this. <laughs> now, this is uh, there's actually a canine specialist. A few days before her surgery, God. She, she had posted something uh, on Facebook about, "Hey, I'm going to get my leg cut off." She. she injured her talus she shattered it which is a bone if you feel the bone the big one that sticks out the bottom of your foot on the heel the talus is just above that i guess it's got a very low or very slow blood flow which is makes it really hard to heal and it caused some problems in the uh, tibia and other parts of her leg so she posts on facebook that she's going to get her leg amputated so then a high school friend of her husband contacts uh her the high school friend of the husband is Peretti Bishop, a canine specialist with the Northwest Disaster Search Dog Group based in Seattle, and says, hey. This is a thing. They you, need body. Cook that leg. They need body parts to help train dog teams. Uh, limbs, which are the most helpful for the training, are hard to get, as you could imagine. They get a lot of placentas. I have a question. Uh, I'm going to pull the car over real quickly. Yeah. You make a baby, and then the placenta's there. Mm -hmm. Do you think to yourself, what should I do with this? Where should I donate it? Should I eat it? Should I plant it? Those were never questions that came up, uh, but but they ask you. I mean, we did. It was never one that we were like, ah, gosh, a sandwich sounds great right now. Placentas are good for blood source training. But training with those larger body parts helps the dogs get used to the sight and stronger smell. Sometimes seeing or smell, even for dogs, seeing or smelling it for the first time could scare them because it can be overwhelming. Oh, God. This actually opens a door to something called body integrity dysphoria. Yeah, tell me about that. It's a disorder characterized by a desire to be disabled or discomforted. It can often be called amputee identity disorder. And being able-bodied beginning in early early adolescence and can result in harmful consequences. Uh, It appears to be related to 
somatoparaphrenia. And people with this condition can refer to themselves as transabled. And it is a group. It's an infrequently studied condition when there's a mismatch between the mental body image and the physical body, characterized by an intense desire for the amputation of a limb. There was a documentary done a handful of years ago, and the name of it was called Whole. It was at the L.A. W-H-O-L-E. Yes. It was at the Los Angeles Film Festival and was shown in some other cities. And it's all about this increasingly visible group of people who call themselves amputee wannabes. They desperately wish to have their healthy limbs removed. There was one guy featured in it. His name is Boz. Boz says he remembers first seeing an amputee when he was four, a four-year-old boy living in Liverpool. And he says, by the time I was seven, I'd begun to think this is the way I should be. It That's, wasn't until it, he was in his 50s that he had his leg amputated. Well, they're saying that a lot of times they find that this body integrity dysphoria happens when someone is young. And usually it's when someone in those developing years between eight and 12 know someone or meet someone who has an amputation. There was Kevin, who was featured in the documentary, a university lecturer. Uh, He had his leg amputated by a surgeon in Scotland who has amputated the legs of two otherwise healthy people. Apparently, it's hard to find doctors who will do this, of course. Then there was a guy featured in the film, George Boyer. He shot his own leg off with a shotgun. Others have used chainsaws and homemade guillotines. They said the majority of the times people don't do it themselves, that, that self-amputation is a very, uh, very rare case, but that a lot of times they will simply cause damage to the limb so bad that the doctors are forced to amputate it. Like, like having shooting a train it. Or shooting yeah. it with a shotgun or having a train run over your leg so that the doctor wow. has to take it off. There are also people who talk about um, the intense desire to become blind or deaf and there is, as all, I shouldn't say always, there is a connection, they say, in many of these cases to a sense of sexual arousal connected with the desire for the loss no. of limb or no. loss of one of their senses. No. Did you want to talk about your coworker? I feel fine. Oh, what do you mean? The coworker you had at oh, another location? There was a guy in another location. I shouldn't say it's a guy because that narrows it down, but everybody knows it was a guy. There's a guy in another location who had a very particular predilection for looking up, um, shall we say, erotic images of people who either wore leg braces, like corrective leg braces like Forrest Gump, or amputations. Provocative, erotic, amputee porn. I didn't even know that was a chapter in the book of the Internet. So – We've discussed this before. The Cheesecake Factory menu is gigantic. That's in the and back that's, pages. And that's even that's just the stuff that's on the menu. You could probably ask for stuff that's not even in the menu. Like animal right? style. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the in and out menu is just like burger, cheeseburger, soda. That's it. Oh, and French fries. But French fries are only for like special occasions like anniversaries and birthdays. An animal style. Right. Isn't, isn't that an in and out? Yes. All right. Tomorrow we are going to be live at HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach. 
uh, where we will be doing the show live. Uh, 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. They're going to open the doors a little bit early so we can get in there. Uh, grab some lunch, some of that uh, that five-plus bacon burger thing that I was telling you about earlier. Uh, that should be fantastic. And those macaroni and cheese balls. Or sliders, whatever it is you want for lunch, get on out there and grab it at HQ Gastropub. Have a glass of beer, a glass of wine, whatever it is that's going to make your Friday better. And it's the best way I can think of to start the weekend, especially after a week like this. It's been too hot. You going to bring that tomorrow, by the way? Are you? That was really good. Are Thank you. you. <laughs> Stop encouraging. No. Learning Africa I by the Toto. Arts and the music. Okay. Tomorrow, HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach. We'll see you. John and Ken are up next. Stay dry, everybody. Well, goodbye. And don't think it hasn't been a little slice of heaven, because it hasn't. Gary and Shannon.